Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Three is Company. We are here talking about the Lord of the Rings living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. My name is Joseph, and I'm here today with Ryan, who I will call Mr. Down Underhill tonight. How are you? I'm good. Why am I Mr. Down Underhill? Down Under? Get it? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I get it. I get it. I thought you meant I was sad. Uh, No. (laughs) Have you recovered from your vacation yet? Yes. Do you want me to talk about now, or do you want to uh, say hello to Liam? Yes. With us early on a Sunday morning is Liam, who is Hi. than he was on our last recording, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was my birthday recently. <laughs> a week or so ago. I think it was a week ago today, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so slight, slightly older, more more wizened, I guess. <laughs> How's it going, Joe? You good? Yep. It's the middle of the night here, but I on five cups of coffee so far and I'm ready to go. Goodness me. <laughs> five cups. <laughs> so today our primary discussion topic is a look back on the Herodrum cycle. We're going to look at the quests and some of the player cards, but before we jump to that, what have you guys been up to? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I was on holiday, like you said. So I went to Queensland in the north of Australia. Very nice place, very beautiful. Uh, but the scary thing is there's tons of crocs up there. And I'm not talking about the rubber shoes either. I'm talking about the, the big ones with the jewels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially if warmer socks, they're very scary. Did you see? Did you see any crocodiles then? Did you see? Oh like, yeah, loads. Did you go on like? Did you go on one of those little adventures where you get to like feed them almost, like throw food at them, or is, are they more just sort of like wild than that? Um, there's a few. Well, you can see them all over the place. They are wild. I'm glad I didn't see any in the wild because that would have been very worrying. I did learn that. Uh, we are faster than them on land. So as long as you're running away from it, you're fine. <laughs> you're dead. You're, you're dead, yeah. Do not go in should, a lake with a crocodile in it. There should be like a little asterisk on that, faster than them on land. I'm not sure everyone is faster than them on land. But you've only got to outrace the person you're with, so... You've got <laughs> yeah, to exactly. Push them in the way and uh, <laughs> run away. Just run straight, in a straight line, the other direction to wherever the crocodile is. They're big. They're they're not messing about those crocodiles. I, I know they got alligators in the USA, but I think the saltwater crocodile is bigger than that. Can get bigger. It's huge, honestly. They just look like they're something out of. They're just so prehistoric looking. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of. Uh, they just mm. they just look like massive dinosaurs. They're, yeah. they're crazy animals. Don't they like regrow their own limbs or something? Or have I? Uh, I don't think. I think crocodiles a bit too big for that. <laughs> I think some lizards can. Some lizards yeah, can regrow like their own tails. Tail. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> these are, the, the, I think, these define cold-blooded. I saw them in some mm. different places. Like I saw them in this um, place called Hartley's Crocodile Adventures. So you can go in there and you can go in a, on this boat in a crocodile-infested lake. It's basically what it is. <laughs> they don't call it that, but it is really. And there's like three, pay money for it. Yeah, yeah. Three territorial males around the lake, and what they'll do is they'll get the crocs to swim next to the boat by dangling a chicken leg on a stick over the boat and i was sitting there thinking if this boat capsizes from all these people leaning into the window to see this crocodile we're all screwed (laughs) but thankfully it didn't and uh it was actually really cool seeing that close but they are really scary there's a massive one and some of them get so big that they have to be on their own as well because they can't tolerate other crocs anymore i suppose and it was kind of sitting there and it was just motionless with its mouth open and i was looking at it thinking is this real and the only way you can tell us alive is because the eye will open and close every so often. Wow. 
But yeah, scary. I also saw the biggest cockroach I've ever seen in my life in my bedroom, I might add. <laughs> uh, that was that was where I discovered I'm scared of cockroaches. Which was scarier, <laughs> the two inch cockroach or the eighteen foot crocodile? Um sheer intimidation factor would go to the crocodile, but ability to fall in your suitcase would go to the cockroach because it kept doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, having have, having to actually deal with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crocodile. Oh, when when I saw it, it was like evacuate the room kind of situation. This is the cockroach, not the crocodile. And <laughs> so I moved all of all of our possessions out of the room and then shut it in the bedroom. And then, of course, it came under the door into the kitchen because it wanted to make friends. I think <laughs> cockroach. But I managed to get it on my laptop case and chuck it outside. Um, oh. Yeah, that was good. They don't, like, they don't do it by half in Australia, do they, when it no, comes to don't. bugs they don't, and animals? They do not. If you can envisage it, they got it. I'm just trying to think oh. what else I saw. Bush turkey. That was more friendly. They're cute. A bush turkey? Yeah, like a wild turkey. It comes along and it's, it's digging up the floor looking for stuff. Ah. Oh. My initial imagination for that doesn't come across as a cute animal, to be honest. A bush turkey. <laughs> I just pictured like a, fro- a frozen turkey with just like bits of like twigs and stuff sticking out. <laughs> No, um, thankfully it doesn't look like that. It's black with a red head and like a yellow gobbler, whatever that's called. That hangs. You know what that thing hangs off their neck? I don't know what the technical term for it. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Ah, I learned something. Ooh. It's worth coming on this podcast. <laughs> I'm your country guy. Yeah. Um, so that's me. What about you guys? Um, so I've uh, not been playing too many games apart from Lord of the Rings. Got back into it. Finished, wrapped up all of the other long, sprawling, time-consuming games that I was playing. Um, and yeah, got Lord of the Rings back out. Me and Steve have been playing weekly again, which has been great fun. Um, and obviously, um, Ryan, Ryan knows Steve. He was part of the, the play group um, that we used to meet every week in, in Bristol in the UK before we moved away and uh, played Lord of the Rings. So we're back on rings, which has been absolutely awesome. Honestly, playing the first game after not having played it for like um, probably like a good month or so, um, six weeks, was um, was really, really fun. Like it was super fun. Um, it has been really grueling. We've been trying to finish off. Probably good that we're chatting about it today. I'm hoping to get some tips from you guys. We've been trying to beat the last few quests of the Harad cycle that we had sort of put to one side when we'd stopped playing a little while ago. Um, and we've had some success and we've had some epic fails as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to chatting to you guys about it and getting some tips because uh, it's been really, really fun, though. Like, been been really getting back into it. It's been great. Um, but apart from Rings, I've played um, no other physical games. Um, I've... I mentioned last time that I was playing a bit of Kill Team and uh, I mentioned how I liked Kill Team because it was low model counts and that I wouldn't ever get into 40k because it was too big. Unfortunately, I may have accidentally purchased the beginnings of a 40k army and uh, Dark Elder army and yeah, whoopsie. <laughs> and, um, and I've been spending a lot of time gluing it all together, priming it, getting ready to paint it all, feeling very, very overwhelmed and intimidated by the amount of 
models I've accidentally purchased. Um, <laughs> but Did your finger slip, did it, on the purchase yeah, button? Several, several, several eBay bids I've somehow managed to slip on, but um, yeah. <laughs> just fell into your basket. <laughs> my, my, uh, my partner was just like, there was a period of about a week where it was just non-stop parcels coming to the door and she was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, but, um, but like, they've been quite fun to build. Um, still in the process of doing it. Feeling very overwhelmed about starting painting it, but I do have an airbrush, which um, I'm hoping will save a bunch of time. And um, I've resigned to the fact that I won't be painting to the same standard that I would paint smaller model counts. I'm going to do them a bit more to a tabletop standard. So, um, yeah, I've got that on my plate, which has just been a massive time sink. So no other games, physical games, have been played at all. Um, Did you win your but- Kill Team tournament? Yes, I did actually. I I won I won the kill team tournament. I won every single game I played, which was which was really unexpected. Um although I did know the team that I was playing was quite strong. Um but yeah, won the won the event, won best painted army as well, or team I guess, um, which was uh, really nice. Spent a long I spent <laughs> it's quite funny, I spent like two months like try like sort of half heartedly painting them. And then, um, and then the last week when they were like, this is the date you need to have it done by to enter them into the competition. I must have spent like, (laughs) I must have painted more in that one week than I did for the previous two months. I just sat there and just paint, 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 paint. It was, um, yeah, it was really, really good fun. Um, sort of looking forward to the second one and the next kill team event. It is a really big time sink. That's my only thing. It really, you know, it takes a lot away having to play a game a week. Like that is a lot of my, my free time is is taken up doing doing something like that, but it won't be for a while, so don't have to worry about it till then. Um, but yeah, the um, the only other thing that I've been doing a lot of is a little bit of Clash, um, which we spoke about a little bit last week, and uh, me and Joe have been playing an absolute ton of Star Realms. We <laughs> must have played a good number of games. I'd be surprised if it wasn't probably over fifty games, maybe since the last mm-hmm. time we spoke. We've uh, yeah, we've had some Seems crackers like as well take turns destroying each other one day and then you destroy me one day and then I destroy you next day. (laughs) It's really weird, isn't it? It goes through massive cycles. It would be just like you lose like four in a row and then win four in a row. It's like really random. (laughs) I didn't think the game... It's been great fun. I didn't think the game was was as swingy as I thought. Like, obviously I've played a fair amount of it in the past, but... um, but perhaps not as sort of like consistently as this. And it's, uh, it's definitely mm-hmm. opened my eyes to a few different strategies that you've pulled on me. Like there was a couple of games where you've just spammed bases and you just can't get through them and you've got like eight or <laughs> nine bases. <laughs> yeah, just, like, just sat there, just like, what do I do? But, um, but they've been really, really fun. And um, yeah, I bought a few of the expansions on the um, online app so we can uh, sort of keep the games fresh and stuff but really been enjoying those ones there's been some proper cracking good games some absolute stomps as well of course but some really <laughs> close ones really close ones how about you Joe? apart from uh star realms you've been up to much been playing quite a bit of lord of the rings i've been getting some games in with ryan here and there we've been doing some of the new quests from this current cycle and then we got to play a couple of the quests from this cycle we played dungeon to kirith gurat was that last night ryan uh yes yes i think so that's fun I've um, been playing with my local group still, but our third guy has been just got a new job, which keeps the one day we play every week. That's the one day before his dead lo- weekly deadline, and he's been working till like ten o'clock every Thursday night. So it's just been two of us playing some stuff here and there. And you've leveled up a lot on Clash as well. 
Oh, yeah, you sucked me into that, so I've been working hard on that. Did you plan it when we did the first episode, or did we um, encourage you to download it after? I can't quite remember. I think you pressured me into doing it then, so. Ah, okay. It worked. <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your favorite card? Well, they're not really cards, are they? What's your favorite like, uh, probably the giant skeleton. That's what I'm working with right now. Oh, really? Ah, oh, I hate the giant skeleton when you come across it. You like put a nice big blob of your units down, and then oh, uh oh, <laughs> walk straight into the bomb. <laughs> right. Yeah, very good card. Yeah. And last thing, I've been uh, started a new um, campaign series of my Blood and Plunder game. So I've been painting up some natives. I did a demo down in a city about forty miles away. And then like five, six players jumped into the game and want to do a campaign with us. But now there's like 11 players, half of them up in Portland and half of them down in Salem. And now we have to coordinate getting together for games with people 40 miles away. So it's getting tricky. You had a picture on Insta- uh, was it Instagram or Twitter. It blew up. Blood and Plunder it's- pictures. Remember that? Right. I posted some Blood and Plunder pictures and got retweeted a few times. And as far as my tweets go, it was... Going viral. <laughs> 20 <laughs> likes. Wow, nice. But yeah, I started a new army. I started doing the natives, South American faction, which you have like French and English and Dutch and everybody. But the natives are always different in these kinds of games, right? They don't have the same armament tactics. And so far I've been crushing. Nice. And I Did feel you, kind of bad because some of these people are like noobs. I just taught them how to play the game and then I play them and massacre them with my arrows. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what type of um, ships do the natives have? They just have canoes and these big, huge canoes called paraguas. Ah, pretty cool. But you get to play on land too. But that's been fun, except the driving. <laughs> All right, let's move on to look at the Haradrim cycle. We're going to look at the quests and review them a little bit, talk about. Um, how they work and if we like them or not. And then after that, we'll look at some player cards. Uh, what is the first quest in this cycle? Uh, so by the cycle, we're including the expansion box, aren't we? So it's For sure, yeah. Sounds of Harad. So um, th- I can see them in a document. I'm just going to give away your planning here. They're in a document and you've put the official <laughs> difficulty rating next to it. Right. Well, that's Ooh. who's going to talk about it. So um, I've got the first one and... Uh, this one is Escape from Umbar, and apparently the official difficulty rating is a five. Um, I might be tempted to agree with that, although we probably shouldn't spend all day talking about FFG difficulty ratings because that would they be don't work that much attention to yeah, they? <laughs> they don't work. It's, no. is, it, is it out of ten? Or? It's out of eight, isn't it? It's out of eight, is it? One to eight. I think uh, it's ten. Well, is it? I've never, that's that's I've, the quest I've, companion. Goes up to I've, never seen anything, I've never seen anything above an eight. I think actually in the rule book, officially, it's one to seven. And they'll do, they'll do an eight. Like, as in, really like, good ones. luck. Yeah. Yeah. For what they think is, haha, screw you quest. <laughs> well, There's I a couple of them. In this, you in were one spots. to eight. That doesn't make any sense. One to seven? I thought it was I'm, one to I'm ten. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it's one to seven because PTM is a one, I think. And mm-hmm. Escape from Dolgaldur is a seven. Our famous difficulty rating scale, one to seven. Yeah, yeah. It, I just, I said we shouldn't get into this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, look, all right, back to Escape from Umbar, okay? <laughs> Before we get sidetracked. Let's not get sidetracked. Um, so this quest is the, the first one of the box. Um, and it's hard to describe this quest. I suppose it's 
it's it's not really a race against time, but there is a certain amount of early game pressure. So um, you can lose if you don't have any progress on the main quest. I think it's the first quest that introduced the idea of progress as like uh, a mechanic that you can lose by. Mm. Um, which is a resource. Yeah, sort of um, peppered throughout the cycle. So there are enemies that you can choose whether or not to take progress off, so they kind of slow you down, which is nice with the theme because the theme is sort of like you've landed in Umbar and you're trying to escape the city. Hmm. And that, to me, represents the enemies catching up with you and slowing you down. And there are various cool effects in this quest as well, like the um, narrow alleyway where you can travel to it and put an enemy underneath. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also the quest that introduces the Southron Champion side quest card, which I know people um, have mixed feelings about. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's definitely infamous. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think it was also the first quest where uh, Harad enemies were like the main enemy. I, I can't think of another one before this. Maybe Pelennor Fields and um, uh, Journey to the Crossroads, but outside of the saga. Right. I think this was our first exposure to sort of right, I I think you're right. Corsairs. Are they Harad guys as well? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so I think that's about it. Did I miss anything there from that quest? That sounds like a good mm. summary. Mm. It's the first time it's introduced progress being a, uh, a resource, as you mentioned. And I liked that. I quite liked it because it, ma- it makes some really interesting uh, choices, whether to mm-hmm. take the progress and not take the attack, things like that. It makes, um, it makes another decision point within the game, which I quite liked. And uh, it can be quite difficult to decide whether to do it or not because it can straight up lose you the quest if you don't have the progress. But sometimes you, you have to stop that attack or whatever it is that costs you the progress so so i I quite i quite liked it as a space that they went into a design space that they went into Mm. i think this is um it's so it's a five and i think that's probably a fair rating because it's certainly not the most difficult one of the cycle but it's sufficiently challenging that it's become i think it's probably fair to say one of the go-to testing quests that most people Mm. look to because it requires you to have decent willpower there are a fair number of enemies reasonable number of locations as well. And mm-hmm. the enemies are not pushovers. I think you need seven attack to deal with the harder ones. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is it can get you as well. It can still wreck you if it has its way. So I played it yesterday and turn one, I got two of the little surgy guys and the guy who makes an immediate attack. And uh, <laughs> I, I folded. I, I scooped <laughs> with that setup because that's four enemies. Because you start turn off with an enemy in play. Yeah. Yeah, I use this for testing a lot. Uh, the one thing that it kind of forces you to take is healing because of all the archers. Mm. You can get through it if you kind of race through with a like a really high willpower deck, like the mono tactics. <laughs> Sounds silly to say. Um, Eleven willpower <laughs> to one kind of deck, but other than that, I really like it for a questing or a testing quest. Funny thing do with it too with that uh alleyway you can pile up a ton of enemies under there if you do some <laughs> weird tricks with a map or something thor's map so mm-hmm. what is that trick for anybody who might not know so thor's map has a travel action where you can basically swap out you can make any location in the station you're active and put the other one back so the trick is you travel to the alleyway every turn and then put another enemy underneath it, then you use the map to push that alleyway back into the staging area and <laughs> make another location active. And you can do that every turn. 
<laughs> if you have a location, then you can pile up like six enemies under it. I did one game with Ryan. I used Boromir and a bunch of Sylvans. And we did that the whole game, and then we finally let them all out. And I <laughs> did arrows from the trees three times, and then used the Boromir bomb and killed all of them in one go. Oh, wow. I think you had like seven under there by the end. That's one busy alleyway, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like sardines just packed in there. <laughs> that's that's awesome, though. Did you intend to do that from the start? Is that what the deck was intended to do, your, that, that Boromir? Yeah, that was my idea. idea. <laughs> could have just left them there and been fine. You can even put the uh, Southhorn Champion underneath there and just leave him forever. Yeah, I won really by doing nice. that the other day. That's the first <laughs> time I ever managed to do it. There's not a lot right, of was, ability to let you do that, but when you can, it's pretty fun. I was uh, trying to f- remember, Ryan. I think that we we you were still in in the UK when this came out, wasn't it? Yeah, we, I remember. We played, we played this. I do remember playing it four player. I don't remember too much about the game though. No, I was trying to think as well. It's a, well, it's a long time ago now, isn't it? A long time ago. Yeah, some of these do stand out, though. I do have memories from some of these other quests. Mm. Uh, but not, not remember, this one. I think it's all right for the player, though. Yeah, I do as well. I think I remember the rooftops quite a bit, sort of. And I remember thinking that the theme was quite cool. Like, you were almost, like, running through the city, sort of. It felt quite thematically like it was well put together. I remember, I remember that quite a lot. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably one of the best ones from this cycle, I would say, personally. Yeah, I think it has a good story element to it, and all the cards are good and thematic, but it also, you can kind of roll up with any well-rounded deck and have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. So just before we move on to the next one, what um, what is it for you guys that makes a good testing deck? Is it just a deck, uh, like a testing quest? Is it just a um, a quest that is, is more all-rounded, doesn't have like a certain trick to it? It's you've got a quest well, you've got to attack well, and you've got to control the locations well. It's sort of a, a, a balanced... Uh, event rather than sort of a lot of the quests where it might really heavily weigh on a specific mechanic or a specific type of play. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Mm. What did it replace for you guys? Crossing uh, journey, sorry. Um, was- into the pit was kind of my other go-to for a while. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I think it falls into that category. Uh, I'm just trying to think. It's it's definitely one I would look to. I, I think I was talking to Chad about this earlier. Like, what quests would you test against normally? And he said Journey Along the Anduin. And he also said the Muma Kill from this cycle, which I sometimes play, but not as much. I think this one I always go to just because it represents... Uh, it's got like a modern feel to it, if that makes sense. Whereas some of those older ones, especially second cycle, they're quite slow to build up. Whereas this one, stuff is happening from turn one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to deal with it. So that could be something people don't like about it, is that you do need to probably quest for about six to eight on turn one, I think, w- with this one, because you want to put some progress down on the quest card. And if you don't, you might be in trouble. Yeah, which is annoying because it cuts out quite a few decks, but it also is kind of representative of what you need for most of these modern quests. You do mm-hmm. need a good bit of willpower most of the time, turn yep. one. And certainly this cycle, I would say, that's a feature of this cycle, is you do need to have strong willpower on the first turn, I reckon. Yep. Yeah. We might see that as we go along. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Should we move on to Desert Crossing? Yeah, this is yours. This one is rated a six. And the theme of this one is you're uh, crossing the desert. And the uh, trick in this one is the temperature mechanic which sounds funny but it works pretty good it's kind of a hard timer on the quest it starts out at 10 i think if you reach is it 50 or 60 
uh, you lose the game. And it goes up by four every turn, another uh, six, quest. Six. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Push it up. So you have maximum of like, in the best case scenario, it's probably 10 turns, maybe 12 turns. Mm-hmm. And you got to fight loads of scorpions and stuff, haven't you? Cockroaches, right? You just get a laptop cover attachment. Objective. Hey, it's effective. It works. I can vouch for that. You have that snake. What is it? The viper or something that you can't. Oh, yeah. Weirworm? No, it's part of the desert creatures. Ah, the sand viper. Sand viper, yeah. For. When you yeah, travel somewhere, it automatically horrible. engages the first player. And you can't declare defenders. Yeah, but it's only got one attack, but it sort of nibbles away at you. And yeah. the shadow is always exciting <laughs> that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially if you take it undefended. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I'll just leave it there. I'll just take it. It's, one, it's just one. I'll just spread the undefended level around. And then the shadow comes out and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good enemy for a trap, though, if you can get willpower triggering off that trap mm. or something for, and for threat. Mm-hmm. Followed. Anyway, player card. Uh, yeah, that one. Or the MNR and Ranger. Oh, yeah. He's in this cycle. I thought we'll get to him later. Uh, so the first stage, you're just trying to get through. Second stage, you're getting tons of damage as the sun beats down on you. Third stage, you pull out these wereworms, which scale according to the quest stage and get bigger and bigger. And you got to kill them and before you can win. I kind of like this quest, but it kind of feels like the location quest of the cycle. Uh, I don't know, location, mm-hmm. but the kind of lost quest of the cycle. There's always a like a long dark or a nin and ilf that's supposed to represent something miserable. And it kind of feels miserable, which is a oh, success, man. but also counts against the quest. <laughs> so it's not my favorite. Just because it's oh, so much damage and frying. I'm trying to bite my tongue. I think you've been a little bit harsh on it there. I'd, I wouldn't put it in the same bracket as those two because those two are <laughs> miserable. At least in this one, you're warm. That's true. The, the other ones, you're, you're like soggy and dark and lost. And yeah, this one. Mm. I take your point though. It's not go one on. I go to to play a lot. I just hate all the damage that gets dumped all over me. Um, so you have to take Helium, in my opinion. Yeah, it's probably not one I reach for if I'm thinking about uh, a fun quest to play. Uh, when I've played it, I I think I've enjoyed it. I think I enjoy it more with somebody else rather than alone, though. Mm-hmm. What I remember, I remember that when we played this, Liam, uh, I really enjoyed it. And one reason is because there's a, a treachery in this one, Mirage, which discards the active location. And I remember we had a desert oasis, and it turned out to be a mirage. And I thought that was so oh, cool yeah. <laughs> in terms of the theme. Yeah. I just remember that was yeah. like, wow, that was brilliant. This is so amazing. We're in the desert, and we're... That was amazing. And we think, yeah, and we think that there's like, you know, an oasis over there and it's like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Burning I, no, sands, I, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some really quality, um, sort of, uh, theme combos that happen with the, um, uh, the encounter cards in this whole cycle, really. You get some really like sort of when, when the encounter deck combos, sometimes when it does, it really just makes sense for the story. It's like, it's, it's just almost perfect sometimes. Almost like someone's designed it to do that, but it's very impressive either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they did a good job of making the locations a bit more thematic in this uh, cycle overall. Um, I know that's been a complaint over the years, every once in a while that 
locations are boring, but they all do something and they're pretty thematic in this quest. Mm-hmm. Pretty brutal in this cycle as well, the locations. That's true. The crossings of Poros, we'll get to that, right? <laughs> I don't so have this much is probably else. my least favorite one of the cycle, but that doesn't mean it's bad because I think it, overall I like these quests. Uh, would I say that? I'm, I'm looking at the list. I I might say that, yes. I might say that. But that doesn't mean it's bad. I think I'd agree with that. Exactly. I, I don't think this is a bad quest. It's just probably, again, not one I would reach for, I think. Uh, but I would certainly use it to test something like a willpower deck. Mm-hmm. Because um, those those weirworms are no pushover when you get to the end of the game. They've got X stats, and X is the tens digit of the temperature. So they could be four or five. They can be difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. So it's good to and see if your deck can get through attacks those. a turn too, or when you yes. engage them, they make an attack and then they attack again. Have you guys seen the movie Tremors? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Oh, if anybody's seen Tremors, so. then these weirworms might remind them of something. It's an old '80s movie about these uh, giant worms that go under a town and pop up um. to the floor. Remember that movie? <laughs> I might have seen that. I've yeah, got some old, vague old, memories old, old. of some. Yeah, bad graphics. It used to scare me when I was little, that movie. I got really worried about it. <laughs> Something about me and dangerous animals. Anyway. <laughs> they, might, they might be there in Australia. You never know. It's a big place, you know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Out in the outback somewhere, the Tremors. What's our third quest here? Uh, it's mine, isn't it? So this is the Long Arm of Mordor. And this is a seven. So, I don't know. Uh so this is pretty unique, this quest, and I think that uh, that might put some people off of it, of how unique it is. Um, I don't remember the story exactly, but the sort of uh, idea is you're in the middle of the Haradrim village, I think. You've sort of met Khalil at this point. You've found your I way across the, the desert. Tried um, the Haradrim, found you right in the desert. Right. Mm. Took you in. Mm. They, they took you in, but then their village comes under attack by orcs. Yes. And is it right that the orcs have captured some of the heroes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's them, why. I think. <laughs> yeah, so you start the game with one hero, I think, who is the objective. the objective. Yeah, the objective hero. So you start the game as one of the Harad characters, and you have to rescue one of your own heroes quickly and get them back. Mm. So it's quite unique in that sense. I don't think any other quests do that. Start with none of your own player cards, player yes. heroes. <laughs> yes. There um, are a few quests that do similar things, though, aren't they? They do, of, um, they do capture mechanics, but they don't take away your yeah. entire, yeah, your entire deck. <laughs> um, so I think that puts some people off of it. I don't remember playing it all that much in solo. I have to be honest. I think I might have played it once because uh, it's not easy to roll up to because you need to hit it early with some willpower to get your hero back. Right. So I think that's how you do it, isn't it? You put progress on stage one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you get your guy back. And from what I remember, it's got a reasonably good feel to it. Like, it does feel like you're under attack. I'm just looking through some of the cards here, and the savage attack treachery is quite nasty with more players. Makes you discard the highest cost ally or reveal the top card of the encounter deck, and each player's got to do it. So there's some very interesting cards in there. I think this is also the first quest that introduces us to the Uruk Chieftain, yeah, he's, he's definitely boss. a reoccurring. He is, he yeah. is, isn't he? He is. So that's quite cool. Um, my personal opinion about this one is it's a lot better with more players. I remember that me, you, and Steve had an amazing game of this. Now, I don't remember what happened, but I just remember coming away from the game thinking, that was brilliant. 
yeah. carefully about what we did. And I know that we tried it with um, three Harad heroes and got owned the first time. So I think we just took all the questy ones and left Jubeir out. Yes, no, and, you are and right. Then yeah, we started to win, and it was really, really good game. I'm yeah. thinking that was a really great game of Lord of the Rings. Really enjoyed that, and that might be why some people um, don't think much of it because they haven't tried it with four or three players. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure how fun it is as solo because you do need a fairly tailored deck. I think you know you want to get your first hero back, and it probably needs to be a willpower hero. You said, Joseph, that a good way to play this is two heroes. Yeah, I've had good luck with it. So the first hero, all you have to do is get progress in the main quest stage. Second hero, you got to finish the second stage. And then the third hero to get back, when you get to stage three, you dig an enemy out of the deck, attach it, your hero to the enemy. you got to kill the enemy. And the enemy is immune to player card effects and everything. Um, so getting through that enemy at stage three can be tough. But if you don't have a third hero, you have to do that. And... By that stage of the quest, anyway, you already have three heroes counting your objective hero, and you're probably pretty well set up. So if you just don't bring a third hero, which you probably don't need to rely on anyway since you've been playing without it, it mm. can make that last stage of the quest a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Can you do um, like the, all of the powerful cards where if you're playing the game of one or two heroes, can you use all of those early? And then as you get your heroes back, um, obviously you've played those cards by that point. So. Yeah, that is possible since you kind of end up with three heroes fairly quickly. They, but they could really help in that first couple turns, which is probably the hardest part. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this? Just before we move on, do you like this one or or not? I played it solo quite a bit, and I I like it. It just kind of excludes a lot of deck types because a lot of decks work with a combination of heroes, right? So you kind of have to use more generic heroes or have one key hero for your deck so you can pull that hero out pretty quickly. So it's a little limiting, but I like I like how the quest progresses and I like some of the cards like there's a location you travel to and you might find one of your friends there if you flip the top card of your player deck and this ally, you get it for free. But you might find an enemy there too, so those are exciting moments. Is that the village hunt? Some, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some shadow effects, like if this attack is against an objective hero, you can cancel the attack and ready the hero or something. It's always fun when there's good effects in quest. Mm, some surprises. Pleasant surprises, yeah. What about you, Liam? Do you remember our game of this at all? Any better than me? Yeah, I mean, like uh, I think I played it um, afterwards as well um, with Steve. But I've, I think it's one of those quests where I... Um, I enjoyed it at the time and I really liked it, but it's not the first one that you sort of like pick out if you're just trying to think of a random quest to play. Mm-hmm. It's not where, it's not where your hand first goes, but, um, if you do decide to play it, it's one of those ones where it's so different and, uh, so sort of weird mechanically that, um, you often have quite a good time doing it. So it's quite refreshing to play those types of quests. Um, certainly wouldn't, if I was teaching a friend of mine to play Lord of the Rings, um, I would not be getting this quest out to, to have, a, have a play with. <laughs> That's no, for sure. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, mechanically it's different enough that when you do, um, when you do play it um, on the odd occasion, um, it feels really fresh and, and you know, really fun. I think it's one of those types of quests for me. I'm going to say this is the most underrated quest of this cycle. Ooh. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Say. 
that, that would be my verdict on it. I think it's one worth a second look. I don't see people playing it. Nope. And I only ever hear people saying like, eh, don't like that quest too much. <laughs> so build around it and see if it becomes more fun, I would say. Yeah. So that was the deluxe box. And then the first adventure pack would be the Mumakill. It's rated a four by FFG. And theme here is we've escaped from the orcs and we need a way to get across another desert, making our way back to the sea, I think. And we need uh, a car, a mode of transportation. So we're trying to find a Mumak. <laughs> Elephant shaped car. Yeah. yeah. So this is a very different, unique uh, setting for Lord of the Rings. It's we're in the jungle. Um, first stage, you're traveling to a bunch of locations. Every time you clear a location, you shuffle one of these objective Mumax into the deck. And then as soon as you have one Mumak per player in the staging area and enough progress, you get to move to stage two. And then you get each play, each Mumak gets a unique trap attachment or different way to trap the Mumak. And then you, you have to fulfill those requirements to subdue it and get on your way. Mm. The only you're quest four. with apes. <laughs> yeah, apes and tigers and like giant centipedes and stuff, right? Pythons. Yeah, snakes as well. And it, yeah, Crocodiles. there's a lot of really, really like interesting stuff in uh, in this quest, I think, in terms of enemies. And I think the most interesting one is ov- obviously the Mumak, right? The big old Mumak. And I think the Mumak is like the new standard, right? In in terms of <laughs> crazy big enemies with huge hit points and massive attacks. Because if you ever do an chatting about player cards and there's a player card that has the ability to deal with um, a really big, um, non-unique enemy, that, that nearly always people tend to say, oh, it'd be great to get a Mumak with it or something like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like the new standard, the Mumak standard, like non, non unique, huge enemy is the Mumak. Um, and I think they're brilliant. I love, I love all of the, uh, all of that type of stuff. It's brilliant. Um, I thought the, uh, the uh, four different ways to trap them were quite interesting. They sort of, um, if you're playing a multiplayer, which we were, they sort of, if I remember right, you could, they're sort of almost like you could build a deck that would do that specific type of trapping. Is that, was that what it was? Right. Yeah, it was, yeah. You pretty much have to wear their hit points down in any situation, any case, mm. but some of them are trigger off, like traveling. Some of them trigger mm. off your deck. Some of them trigger off the defender. And I forget what the fourth one does. I can't remember. Sorry, I'm looking at them now. I'm just, I just <laughs> played this quest today with Chad, right. and it, it was good. Interestingly, he said this is one that he uses to test decks. And uh, I think that's probably because it's a, you know average kind of quest. But I find with this one... Uh, you can get location lock quite easily in this quest, and those territorial apes they can they can be really angry because <laughs> yeah, they come out hitting for six. Those guys, if you've got a four threat location, so I yeah, think it's definitely no pushover. I played this last week. It's a four. And yeah, turn two we had six or two apes in the staging area that were sixes each, and three dice. Yeah, <laughs> you ruffled the trees and upset them. <laughs> they uh, also the sh- the shadow cards, um, the shadow effects in this quest. I remember being pretty brutal, and sometimes like and they're like blanking text boxes and yes, huge power ups yes. based on like discarding random cards from your hand, and oh, you know you can you really power ready. stuff up. So the game yes. we earlier, we were defending it successfully, 
Like nothing was getting through. They, I think, if they do damage, they do things to you. But right. if you if you're letting them do that damage, you're, this is going to be much much harder. So if your deck's the just on that attack choke line, you, right? yeah, yeah. So I was playing not ready or keep you from readying. Is it right? I was playing Bjornings, and it was so fun. I was using the giant bears. It was like bears versus apes. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> amazing. That's, that's bears weird. against tigers and pythons. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Tiger is another fun enemy, isn't he? Yeah, because you can't mm. option engage him, so you have Just to control where he goes. Tracks you. <laughs> and uh, Chad put out Thor's ring, and the tiger was wearing the ring. <laughs> that was cool. On his tail or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other card this quest is known for, which has got a tiger on it as well in the picture, is the Savage South. Uh, uh, do you remember that one, Liam? You groaned, so you must know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that the one where you discarding cards off the top? Yeah, so, top five, um, and yeah. anything you've got in play that matches one of those five, you have to discard it. Yeah, because right. I think I think when I was playing this one, if I remember right, I was playing Outlands, and I think <laughs> I think I think it went horribly wrong. <laughs> I think this is my. This might have been one where we had to we Outlands had to play. Karma. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if every quest, Caleb's asking himself, like, what can I put in this quest that's going to nail Outlands? Extra. Yeah, extra. Or, oh, discard them all. Um, Yeah, I I don't have anything else to say about it, though, really. I I think it's a a solid quest, and it was the first one we ever played together, Joseph. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Came to Portland, right? Yeah, so special for that reason. (laughs) The beginning of our romance. The Valentine's Day quest of 2019 <laughs> is the Moomba Kill. It's a new, newly thing. Uh, yearly thing, sorry. There's a quest card as well called Welcome to the Jungle. And every time I see that, Guns N' Roses starts. <laughs> Not sure if you'll know about that, Joseph. <laughs> uh, over my head, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> really? There's your homework for after this call. <laughs> I know what waddles are in a turkey, but I don't know all the movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, are you from Earth or are you from Mars? <laughs> <laughs> Little of both, I guess. <laughs> all right, should we move to the next one here? Yeah. Well, the only other thing that I just wanted to say real quick about the um, the quest as well and the Harad cycle in general is that. Um, I think it's really cool that it allowed them, because Harad is so, as a location, is so unexplored in Tolkien's works, really. There isn't like tons of it that I'm aware of, at least. Um, and often it's sort of based on just little sort of like off, offhand snippets from characters and stuff. Like I think, Arag- um, I think there's a bit where, um, when the Harads come and attack, um, then uh, Sam says something like, oh, they must all be evil. And, and Aragorn's got a little offhand comment about um, how they're not. They're just sort of like people that are there and, um, you know, essentially sell uh, swords. I think it's really cool that because it wasn't a very well-known uh, or well-written about um, area, it gave them freedom to do a lot of stuff. So you go from jungle, giant scorpions, uh, you go giant tunneling worms, uh, sorry, in the desert with those, then to the jungle with giant... Um, you know, elephants and, and things like that. Like it really allowed them to just go a bit crazy and do whatever they want in some respects, which I think was, was is really cool. I think it also, uh, it's really cool, but some people, it put some people off just because it didn't feel like essential Tolkien Earth. as well, which yeah, that's, that's is fine, fair. but it is nice to have something totally different and fresh, isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose when you've had so many cycles um, where there have been so 
Middle Earth heavy, then it's fair to have one where it goes a bit off off the rails, right? It might have been I mean, a little risky of them to put it right after the uh, Grey Haven cycle because that was also a that's true on the borders of things. That is a very fair point, actually. Yeah, forgotten about them. I'll say if you uh, don't but, care about things like that, then uh, I'll speak for myself here because I am far from like a Tolkien. I don't know much about the lore at all, all the literature, uh, and that didn't bother me at all. So it yeah, might it be didn't bother me either. Something. Yeah. Film. One of the guys I think like, they, doesn't like this whole cycle because of that. But some people can um, sort of. <laughs> sort of really take those works and sort of put it on a bit of a, a sort of, a, you can't sort of change it or touch it, which I think FFG have been pretty good with. Um, mm. But, um, and, and in some respects, um, they only really sort of had license to do those types of things in the Grey Havens and, and in the Harad cycle. Interestingly, we're back in Dale now, so that should make everyone happy, right? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> couldn't get Before more middle off. <laughs> Before we move on, I was reading Two Towers a couple of weeks ago and, uh, there is a mention of apes uh, at Helm's Deep, uh, talking about the orcs putting up ladders. Many were cast down a ruin, but many more replaced them, and the orcs sprang up, sprang up them like apes in the dark forest to the south. There you go. Ah, <laughs> what about tigers wearing Thor's ring? Because nobody knows. <laughs> I think the necromancers took it in Dol Guldur. Mm, gave it to a tiger. <laughs> uh, all right so the next quest in this cycle is race across harad and this mm. is apparently a six mm. Mm, yeah that that raises an eyebrow but i think i know why uh so this quest is much like if i remember correctly flight of the Stormcaller from the dream chaser cycle except this time you're trying to outrun the encounter deck previously you're trying to catch up to it and now it's trying to catch up to you is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, memory yeah. win. And this quest, um, certainly in solo, is very, very difficult, I think, mm-hmm. because um, it can go wrong quickly, and it's very difficult to get out of that uh, uh, bad situation if it arises. It's also an interesting quest because there's a decision point at the very beginning around whether or not you take that Uruk Warg Rider in your staging area or in the Orcs area, which is where they place progress on their quest card. And uh, that probably depends on what kind of deck you're playing. Usually when I play this, I try to take it and kill it. Or tank uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or just leave it in my staging area and outquest it, which I think you can do. Yeah, I think if you put it in the orc staging area, it's going to put a minimum of seven progress on that first quest stage, which only has 10 progress points, so they catch mm-hmm. up fast. Yeah. And I think this quest is quite well-balanced in that if you if you go further ahead than the orcs, uh, it starts to do things to try and catch them up. Yeah, so it has some really good pacing, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think the six here probably comes from the fact that the more players you add to this, in my opinion, the easier it gets, this quest. Because mm-hmm. when we played it four-player in our group, I do not remember any issues at all. I think we trounced it. No. But I think we did as well. Any time I've played this one or two players, it's been challenging, like really challenging. I just played this this afternoon solo, and yeah, the orc staging area, it can build up enemies, and you can't engage with them if you're at a different stage with them. And then when they do catch up, I had like five enemies engage me at once, which is hard. Yep. 
and you've got to get like 20, 15, 10, 20 progress on different quest stages to move on. And if you get location locked at all, then they catch up really fast and it can be game over real quick. There's not many decks that can quest well and handle all those enemies uh, and then quest well again. <laughs> right, kind of need a flexible all-round deck that can quest hard one turn and battle hard the next, right? Yeah, I don't I don't have any good memories of tips for this off the top of my head. Um, Do you remember what you used when you and I played it a couple months ago? Yes, I think I used Dale. Yeah, that's pretty well-rounded. <laughs> yeah, pretty, a little bit cheesy, I suppose, because it's the cycle ahead. If I was going to go back a cycle, I'm not sure what I'd recommend. Just throw a decent questing deck against it, I suppose, and hope your partner can do the combat. Uh, the Tame Mumak in this is quite cool, because you can use that as... Um, an undefended attack. Any undefended damage has to go on the Mumak. So you can bring down that Warg uh, Rider and take it undefended. He doesn't get the bonus because you're not defending. Mm-hmm. And just put the three damage straight onto the Mumak. And then, and then hit back with something. You can't heal the Mumak with your own cards, but if you go to that Oasis and give that elephant mm-hmm. a drink, you're all good. Yeah, that's really cool. So again, some nice theme around the setting in terms of what mm-hmm. you can do. Uh, yeah, so that's my thoughts. What do you think, Liam? I think the only time I've ever played this quest is when we played it for the first time four player and we smashed it. So yeah. I don't think I've played it again since. I was just looking through it just now. And uh, yeah, I've got no recollection of playing it again by myself. Um, maybe I should give it a go, but by the sounds of things, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you've rebuilt all those decks. Yeah, one right. of them's really good. Yeah, <laughs> just get, get one of your guys' decks from RingsDB and run it through there. <laughs> I don't think this is the kind of quest you're going to be rolling in solo the first time you play it. No. It'll definitely leave you with a look on your face. It would be a pained yeah. look, I think. Roll There's a lot like of spiky log on Clash, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a, a big old Mumak rolling that log as well. But um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of quest cards here. There's like two of each, right? Mm, that's because it's the that's- Orcs quest deck. Oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah, there's two decks. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, I have definitely only played that once, and that was with you and mm-hmm. um, and Steve, and, I, and I'm pretty sure we smashed it first time. So easy quest, really. Um, probably <laughs> diff- difficulty rating of three, maybe. If I <laughs> 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 Do it three, and then three out, three out of four, though. That's my rating. <laughs> my, I do it on a four scale. <laughs> So the other thing I like in this quest that's thematic, but it can cause real pain is those, uh, I forget the name of them, but there's like the wolf or the warg. Uh, and then the... Really cool. Yeah. They, they can jump on their warg, the racing warg right. or the Mordor warg is probably in this quest as well. Mm-hmm. So there's two different attachments that can attach to orcs, which can make them huge, which can be very painful. One time I was playing, I didn't have any orcs in play except for the orc chieftain so i had to attach i think both attachments to him and then he was like a seven yeah I think, no, I think he's gonna be eight yeah eight attack yeah. with both of those seven threat which means every time that the orcs quest deck triggered it was at least seven progress <laughs> it was insane and then if those power up the other orcs like the one who you can't defend with an ally that has less willpower than his threat Mm. If his threat gets up to like three or four, then you have to defend with a hero and you kind of have some inter- interesting interactions mm-hmm. with those attachments. Also really good for traps, right? If you put that followed on a 
enemy that's seventh threat or sixth threat. <laughs> I like as well when you kill the orc, the wargs fall off and go back right. to the staging area, so you have to fight them as well. They don't just like go that. away. Yeah, so I would say a difficult quest, but a cool one. Mm-hmm. And one I wish I could play more, to be honest. It's just so hard, I don't. It's not one I reach for. Yeah, if you survive the first four turns, which can be pretty hard, you can still fail right at the end when you're trying to get across that last yep. riverbed. Which would be super thematic, really. Right. <laughs> Fell at the last hurdle. Uh, the next quest is, third one is Beneath the Sands. It's a difficulty level five. I forget the thematic objective here, but you're underneath the ground. Spiders everywhere. Some of uh, Khalil's people got uh, taken ah. away, I think, and, and they got grabbed by spiders and pulled into the lair. Yeah. I think. Yes, that is true. So this one has an off-track and on-track mechanic where you're either lost or you know where you're going. And... Things are more punishing when you're on track, but you can actually make progress. You can't make any progress in the quest cards when you're off track. This one tends to spam out a lot of cards, so it can be hard solo as well. You can get location locked really quickly. There's a ton of locations in this one, and they're all sort of like you know, cobwebs and burrows and stuff like that, aren't they? It's, uh, right. it's, a, it's a difficult one. Like The theme of it is obviously sort of like trying to track your your taken friends and uh yeah it can be quite a um it can be quite a slog if i remember right this one and then there's a boss at the end it can pop up throughout the quest too there's a location that puts you on track immediately but the big brood mother comes in attacks you, uh, yeah. you. Um, and then you have to fight her at the very end but you can't kill her unless you have progress in the quest and you can't get progress in the quest unless you're on track so you have to get on track get progress um and then kill her but if you get off track you lose all your progress and you can't kill her and you can have this difficult cycle at the end if <laughs> even if you're winning you can get nailed which is mm. fun but frustrating sometimes too <laughs> you need a little bit of luck just to get through that last uh test mm really, right. to stay on track that last turn. I think the theme of it as well is very much returning to Middle-earth, isn't it? It's sort of like spiders and caves, right? You haven't got any um, <laughs> tigers and snakes in there. No, do you like There's, this quest? It's not my favorite, but every time I play it, I have a good time. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I think it's one that you can roll up with a fairly average deck as well, which is always a good thing, right? I Yeah, I probably half agree with that. I think I, I completely agree with your comment about it can spam out cards because <laughs> I, I think we were playing a few games the other week and we were having a good time. And I said, Oh, let's play beneath the sands. And that was the point where we stopped having a good time because we started <laughs> to get owned. It owned us. And I've, I've found I've, I've wanted to use this quest as a, a testing quest, but for some reason it, it just, it can, yeah, I don't know those locations. I don't know, it's got some quite pile up. Mm-hmm. The tre- treacheries, treacheries aren't that nice either, really. There's a lot of surge and like doom and stuff like that, isn't there? Yeah, There's a lot of threat. threat. Yes, yes, I agree with that definitely. Um, one I of... like it though. I do like this one, uh, but it, I just find it hard, or harder than it should be. There you go. Um, one thing I'll say about it is that it, it, I like it, but it can be a bit. Um, maybe confusing with the track triggers. Mm. I always uh, get confused on when you put a 
card back in the staging area or when you just have to find one that says on track? I think yeah, I have it, to keep I'm going to try and guess, right? So mm-hmm. here we go. So when you're off track, you try to get back on track and you don't add them to the staging area. And right, then, you just discard as many as the track value and then yeah, the track is on track. You still discard it, but you flip to on track. Yes, I think so. Or when you're on track, the the um, objective makes you do something, not the track keyword. Right. It makes you discard three <laughs> cards from the top of the deck, and you have to add. Yes. So it one effectively gets on to a turn. Right. That's what makes it so hard solo. Yeah. Yeah. But I like it overall. It's, it's one good... I've, I, I do reach for it. We had a good game way back when it was fresher uh, using side quests against it because you can't put progress on the real main quest when you're off track, but you can put it on a side quest. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's my record for the Rindir getting up to like 13 willpower or something crazy, 11 at least. <laughs> to spend all <laughs> I think day it took like three it. hours, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember this one because it was where I first started playing around with the Vigilant Dunadan in this quest because there's so right. many... Uh, wimpy enemies here that he's actually pretty good for tanking them all. How many copies of that little broodling? Oh, I think that's five. I think that's five. I'm going to click this card and see what comes up. Uh, it's a, yeah, five. Yeah. Wow. So five of those. Surge if you're on track, so you might as well. Yeah. Hive Guardians, and I think there's Scorpions in there as well. And mm-hmm. the, the Viper might be in this one too. The scorpion is, yeah, the viper would be as well. Yeah, so plenty of little child enemies. So if you keep watch on those guys, you can uh, tank them for a good while. Right. Didn't you do a video of that? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it must be two years ago now. I can't remember. <laughs> but How yeah, many that... enemies engaged at once? Oh, loads. Probably like 10. <laughs> yeah. Loads of, them. loads of little whips. But again, so that was a side quest deck too. Right. So that's a good way to go for this quest. Willpower and side quests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also uh, got an X-threat location. That's true. The first time so, we see that. Yeah, another punishy, outlandsy, punishy kind of card. Mm. I was playing it this week, actually. And I was, I've come to appreciate the Mariner's Compass for some of these newer quests with those X-threat locations. You can just get rid of the thing. For most of the people who've never played Mariner's Compass, you can put it on a scout. And then you can just look at the top five cards in counter deck and discard one location in the staging area to put a different one out so you can get rid of the worst ones there. But yeah, it's a good quest, but it's, again, challenging solo. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? No, I think you summed it up. Then on to the Black Serpent. Mm. So the Black Serpent is apparently a difficulty eight. It's off the scale. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to. Okay, um, let's look it up. You're probably right. You you know more. Third, Black Serpent. Hmm. Well, they've gotten their um, tribes people out of the the caves or the the burrows by this point. And I think you're now tracking the Black Serpent's caravan because Mm, uh, some other people have been taken. I think Khalil's son is taken to. to, Is that right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we know that by this point. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right, because um, it's the next one where he comes up again, isn't it? Yeah. So at this point, we're trying to um, sort of face off against the Black Serpent anyway. 
And this is another quest that uses progress as a mechanic. So I guess that's themed around the Harad enemies more than the others in this cycle, the, or- the orcs and the creatures. Because uh, this one, I think this is quite interesting, this quest, because the quest cards do not require much progress. I think you need about six each, something like that, six to eight. But you don't want to progress too quickly from stage one, because stage two, you have to actually fight the Black Serpent. And I think it's the first quest where you um, have him in the staging area and he does attacks against you once a turn, unless you take progress off. And it, when you go to stage two, um, you can't take progress off because you just progress. So you have to take that one attack and you also have to take the one of, from him being engaged with you. So you certainly don't want to go there turn two unless you've got somehow got three defenders up or something. I don't know. Um, the other thing that's interesting about it, it's got those uh, guarded objectives. Yeah, they're really cool. And I think it's the first time where the guarded X keyword came up, which means right. you discard cards until you find the thing it tells you. You don't just reveal the next card of the encounter deck. So that gives this quest a fair bit of variation, but it also affects the difficulty, I would say, depending on which objective you get, what is attached to it, and what your deck's trying to do. Right. And those three things can obviously vary quite a lot. <laughs> so yeah. some games... I've had some horrible combo on this turn one, just gone, I can't do it. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. You get something like the, there's a four threat location that makes allies harder to play, if I remember correctly. And if that interacts in some way with what you're trying to do, uh, you're in for a rough time. Let me and see you have to take an enemy to travel there? Yeah, you have to either remove a progress in main quest or exhaust the ally while it's in the staging area. And yeah, you have to find an enemy. So a lot of enemies in this quest as well, I would say. Lots of heraldies coming out. I I think this is another one that varies on player count, but in slightly different ways. So I would say that uh, Race Across Herad just gets easier when you add more people. This one gets trickier when you add more people because you have to be careful with the amount of progress you place, but that's harder to do with more people who might not listen to you when you say, don't quest that hard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's also also quite hard to judge when you draw four cards instead of one because you can kind of do like almost like an average like oh well if each card is you know worth roughly this and increases it's very hard to do that with four exactly exactly the other thing is this one's got so when we when we first talked about this when it first came out we played it i think just before we did the card review and we thought it was quite swingy like it have some big turns the encounter deck can combo if it gets that no quarter treachery and you reveal another two cards and those two cards do yeah. something and you get a south on champion like it can just snowball mm-hmm. and in solo i don't think that happens as much mm-hmm. um but still tough i would say in solo just because to cover all the bases i also really like the theme of the guarded objectives as well because they kind of if i'm remembering right they sort of buff the black serpent if he's got them and if you grab him off him, you can take threat to do something good. So it's almost kind of like using his own his own um, his own uh, sort of gear against him. And it's um, I think I think I quite like that. I thought it was quite clever. I thought it was um, you know quite a nice theme. Sort of like you take his banner for example, and then uh, you could raise your threat and uh, and uh, mess with all of his uh, all of his all of his army. You get minus one, don't they? So it's, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. So sort of spit on it and stuff. Maybe like tear it a little. <laughs> then, then, <laughs> then he can get it back there, can't he? he could, there's treacheries that, that I think you mentioned it just then where it's like 
reveal yeah. to or give them back as stuff. And uh, you don't really want to do either. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that I thought the uh, I thought the flavor for it was was very nice. So I liked it. I I like this quest, but it's a difficult one to pull out and play uh, as a sort of casual game just because of the difficulty. Mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, a lot of people were saying it was hard, and I remember a lot of people posted like uh, their wins of this one. It just stands out as one that people were really happy to have beaten. <laughs> right. But nobody was saying really bad things about it. It's just hard. Yeah, I think it's really well designed. I did play it the other day with uh, the new Dane Armfoot. Did you win? Yes, I did. You Daned him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that game. But I didn't get... Oh, no way, I did get Southon Champion. I got it at stage one, which is Oof. when you want it, really. <laughs> so you can't you, move on too fast? Yeah, you can sort of turtle as uh, you like to do mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're a good turtler this is a good quest for you yeah i really like the uh way that they make they force you to be careful how you put progress down you went enough but you don't want too much otherwise you'll move on and then there's some excitement every time you move to a new quest card because you have no progress to take off so you get all the punishing effects so i like the pacing in these quests, you got to be careful. Got exciting moments. Is this, is this the first time we see the black serpent as well, or do we see do we see him in, previ- in a previous one to this? Like that's the first a, one. Yeah, because he's a scary man. Yep. I like him though. He's like he's, he looks super sleek and cool in all of his all of his armor. He just looks like a complete badass. But um, yeah, <laughs> he's a scary man. Because he, he uh, in the books he gets killed, doesn't he? Um, but he's only given like one like paragraph. He, <laughs> like um, he's literally just almost like an offhand thing. I think it's is it Theoden? Theoden who kills him? Mm, I can't remember. But someone, so, uh, definitely a Rohan, uh, just rides in and just like sl- slays him. Feels, right? Yeah, just like an offhanded sort of like. Oh, and then the black serpent waves his banner, and then he's. maybe he was playing uh, across her ad at the time yeah yeah, exactly maybe Uh, Dunia threw a spear in his eye (laughs) yeah he's a cool character I like like the back step and I was glad glad to see him in uh, in in one of these quest lines as a big baddie yeah Theoden kills the back serpent and then right after that Witch King comes and wrecks yeah (laughs) yeah that's it the fifth uh, AP would be Dungeons of Kirith Gurat. It's rated a level seven, difficulty seven. And here we're trying to save Aban, I think, Khalil's son. There's the uh, mechanic in here is you have guarded cards. You have al- your allies. Aban starts out guarded. Your allies get captured and you're going through the dungeon saving people. Uh, first stage, you have to save everybody. And the second stage, you're running out, and enemies are building up in the staging area. You have to go two entire turns without engaging any enemies, which is can be difficult to kind of pile up. In the last stage, all the orcs catch up with you, and they capture. They have one of your heroes captured at the last stage. Got to save your heroes and quest out to win. How do you guys like this? I played this one quite recently, actually. Um, we took quite a few goes to beat it actually it beat us a number of times and then um when we did beat it though it was really weird we absolutely smashed it like it wasn't even close like 
where there was nothing like when they tried to pile up for those couple of turns, like they hardly piled up at all. And then when they came through, we just killed everything. We had like really clear stage scenarios. We just kept up with the quest really, really well. Previous to that though, the like four or five attempts before that, um, yeah, it was really, really tough. <laughs> we lost a lot. <laughs> we lost a lot. Um, it's quite, it's quite tricky, isn't it? This one is, um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Like you have to, a lot of the locations are just really brutal. Um, like really harsh, harsh location. This is the one as well where, is this the one where they capture your, your allies as well? Is it this one? Or am I thinking of the next one? I think I'm thinking of the next one, aren't I? No, they capture them. Yeah, at the they, they, during setup, you have to discard cards off the top of your deck, each player. Yeah. Attach that to an enemy. And are there, are there enemies that capture as well, if I'm remembering rightly? Mm-hmm. There are enemies? Yeah, there are. Yeah, so it, it, can, it can be really difficult. I think, uh, I think I played Ents, which seemed very thematically strange like (laughs) (laughs) massive trees going through a dungeon but um not very mm, uh bendable (laughs) exactly just like the roots going under the cell doors that's the way i was imagining (laughs) they're just ripping them off the hinges they work pretty well the ends the ends did did some work in that one um fun quest like I, i always felt like i was having fun even when i was getting smashed by it but um because it didn't feel like unfair, like some of the mechanics on it, they didn't really feel that unfair when 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 it's beating you. So, um, like some quests beat you with unfair, it feels kind of harsh, like it's almost cheap, like the way right. it wins. But um, but this one just feels like it's a really hard quest. What about you, Ryan? I I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say this is probably my favorite of the cycle. This quest, I think Ooh. I like everything about it. I like oh. I like the I like the theme, right? The I like the dungeon theme because um let's go back over the previous dungeon quests. You've got Escape from Dorgaldur, too extreme to play, I would say most of the time, and Escape yeah. from Mount Graham, which is again quite extreme. Fiddly. Uh, all- yeah, fiddly and weird and you need They're to all difficult, aren't they? <laughs> Mount Graham's well, I don't know. It's not one I play ever, really. Now this one, I think, is is still hard, still hard, but it's much tighter. It's much uh, stronger in terms of the way it's put together. Like, every game starts the same. You got the enemy and the location with a ban on it, but from there, I feel like anything can happen, <laughs> and it's really mm. cool because the way it goes along as well. Like you start off, you're trying to rescue someone, then you're trying to hide from the guards, and then you have that big battle. Yeah. Then it's almost as if you burst into the room and have this massive fight, which is really fun. Uh, make like a tree, make like a tree and leave right at the yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> make like a tree and harumph. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I like about it is that uh, one complaint people have about this game sometimes is the scaling. Like as the quest goes along, you are pretty much trouncing it. Like the encounter deck can't come back sometimes. Whereas this one, it keeps chucking out cards as you go along. So stage two, even if you're questing past them, it chucks out another card and stage three chucks out an enemy at the beginning of the quest phase. So something is always happening. And I just, I really like, I think it's a really solid tight quest and you'll always get a good experience, even if you're not necessarily going to win. I suppose you, you can get owned at the beginning. It's probably one complaint. That'd be my only complaint is it can be hard to start off. So we played this yesterday, didn't we? Oh yeah. Yeah, we did. We lost yeah. the first game, didn't we? We did. We did. Exactly that happened. We 
we just couldn't get ahead of it. But then the second game, we had a really good game. That we went was along. Even at the end, there we got to the end, there were about six or seven enemies, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. Two of them sitting up there with the captives and the rest of them coming down. You were more uh, confident than I was. What, about fighting them? Or the, yeah. Oh, okay. That's because hey. you were running bears and I was running... No, no, uh, no, no. I was running were... the same deck I played in solo. So I was oh, running yeah, yeah. Lore Aragorn, who's really good in this quest because you need to go back down. And you were playing, out of all people, Haldan. Right. And it, it turns <laughs> out that this is a really good quest for Haldan. <laughs> because of the yeah. guarded cars that come with the quest, right? Yeah, and it, it just so happened that I was running Elfstone as well and Ancient Madam. <laughs> so <laughs> those locations just didn't know what hit them. It was uh, pretty great. Yeah, it was fun. So that was a fun game. Um, I have not played this with four people, though, and I would like to. I mm. have, and I've had some good experiences. And uh, if you get those surging works, they attack player with the most allies. I had an event when this box came out and we all sat down to play these quests for the first time. And we played this one and two of those surging wargs came out before anybody yeah, really had any allies and we attacked and attacked and attacked. And then we got all those enemies and then we died. So we reset yeah. up again. So that can be a rough start. But other than that, I agree with what you say about a consistent experience. I think it probably, it can be a little bit frustrating if you get a couple of games like that. And I have had that before. The treacheries aren't too bad in this either. They the locations are worse. The locations are yes. worse. Than the oh, the locations in this are torture. terrible. Torture chamber is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be one of the worst ones. That is an anti-Outlands card as well, right? <laughs> they interact as well. Like one of them doesn't oh, yeah. let you put progress on the others. Yeah, uh, that can be really frustrating in multiplayer when you get all these out. The torture room is jacking your threat. The uh, mines of Kirithgret is stopping you from putting... Um, mm progress out on those locations and yeah it can spiral out of control pretty fast and the travel effects aren't very nice as well like the mines is like discard three cards and raise your threat by one for each ally stuff like that it's like they can be really nasty like bring your thrall's map to this one i think oh yeah oh yeah yeah three of them have bad travel effects so thor's map is good yep i don't have much else to say about it i think you might be right ryan actually it is it is actually probably one of the one of the better, best quests in that cycle, actually. I might even put it in my top five favorite quests, even though I don't play it that wow. often. I just, I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. I just really enjoyed that game you played yesterday. If provided you have a good game against <laughs> it, like if you, if you, you know, you get trounced at the beginning, that's not fun. Just the way it goes along, and something's happening every stage. That big bang ending, really cool. I like where they give you in the middle. You, if you, you can not engage the enemies. Or you can try to engage them to decrease the size of that battle at the end, but you always have an interesting choice there. Yeah, you, you can clear yeah. it out a bit, mm-hmm. or you can uh, just delay. <laughs> and uh, there's a, a hero capture at the end, too, which can catch some mm-hmm. people out the first time you play it. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you build for this one? What kind of tricks work? Oh, location control and low threat. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. Also, running some big allies is good because the quest does give you some allies. Mm. Uh, you discard cards off your deck and have one of those allies guarded, and you can earn it back for, without paying for yeah. it. That's kind of good. Yeah, when you rest. Yeah. Also, running not very many copies like singletons is pretty good because when that happens, if you have the ally in play, you have to discard the ally. <laughs> Do you so really? 
I think so. Oh, no. okay. fast enough if it's unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say if it's unique, right? But surely if it's just a normal one, I maybe I'm making that up. But I feel like that has hit me before. But at least you I've can earn some free allies. Yeah, and you can earn some pretty big ones as well, which is why I think Ents worked quite well. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, they'll enter play exhausted already, so you don't need to exactly. pay for them right when they get rescued. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's one left. Brings mm-hmm. us to the Crossings of Poros. Yeah, we've got somebody yeah. else to read it. <laughs> the next one is uh, the Crossings of Poros, which I've just grabbed off of my, uh, my work table because uh, currently trying to beat it unsuccessfully. So I don't know how much I've got to, I don't know how much I uh, will have to say on it because uh, <laughs> I haven't been very successful at all. Apart from this, it seems really, really, really hard. I think I've tried it like four or five times now with Steve. Um, maybe more actually. I think we've had three sessions on it and it's beat us quite handily a number of times each session. Um, <laughs> so I started <laughs> off, <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, but basically, um, yeah, I don't think we've been past like stage three and looking at it, there's all the way up to four stages, but basically you start off, um, having escaped the dungeons. Um, well, I, you know, this is a lot of assumptions from me because obviously I don't, I haven't seen the, the end of it, but, um, <laughs> I assume that you're, <laughs> you're basically trying to sort of uh, finish off the black serpent. Um, and you chase him, and then the path splits, and you either go via the mountains or the desert, I think. And um, and that is as far as we've got the path, um, after the path split. Him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been we've been killed in both the desert. Stage two. <laughs> That's stage two. I don't guess we haven't seen stage three. Then what's stage three? Yeah, no, I've not seen the stage you. three. Card. No, no, I don't mind spoilers. Honestly, I, 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 I'm absolutely fine for you guys to chat about it. But um, but um, the things that right. Okay, so first of all, this this quest is actually quite a tricky one to play, just mechanically in the sense that there is so much going on. You've got several piles of cards that you're taking from because it starts to build its own encounter deck, which I think is really cool and adds a lot of replayability to it. But um, it makes it quite difficult to sort of keep up with it. Although it's quite clever in some respects because quite often you're drawing from the one with the most cards and it should be pretty obvious which one that one is because there's only one of two, basically, and it just alternates between the two of them. Um, So I think they both have 11 cards to start with. So the first time I tried it, I tried Sylvan's and it was just horrendous. I'd never seen so many (laughs) dead elves in my life, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I, quickly, I quickly changed tact because because one of the big problems is um is when you go on to the second stage and it randomly takes you either through the mountains or the desert. It's hilarious as well because Khalil both either way says it's a great idea. <laughs> it's like that's not what you were saying. That's not what you were saying twenty minutes ago before we scooped. But, um, but when when one way basically hammers your allies. So when you play an ally. It comes into play exhausted or you do something else. And the, the something else, I think, is mountains. I want to say one damage. I want to say desert is raise your threat by one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so then I tried Ents, went back to the old trusty Ents. If you go through the mountain path, it's brilliant. Ents loved getting damaged. You love having a whole army of damaged Ents. And they... And but if you go the if you go the other way, it's terrible. Like raising your threat constantly every time you play an ally, and you're trying to spam as many ants as you can, it just goes wrong really quick. So you do have to get a bit lucky in that one. But um, I assumed when I was playing ants, and I assumed that because they enter play exhausted, you have to do the other thing. Is that yeah. right? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought so. <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, maybe I can just, you know, they're already exhausted. <laughs> Nothing more. Yeah. It's like, nah. This <laughs> is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to let you uh, off that easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that's uh, that's my experience of it so far. Like, I, I think the Ents can work, but I think you've got to go through the mountains. Um, so it's like 50-50 whether it's going to work or not. But it was like there was several times where there was like multiple locations with eight threat because X was like the threat of the location that happened multiple times. Oh, the worst one was a turn one sand or turn turn two sandstorm. I lost my entire hand. <laughs> all, all my heroes died. It was like, do you want your heroes dead? I was like, what? This is terrible. <laughs> that was that was uh, that was an eye opener. That was our second game on it as well. So I'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts on it. If you've got any tips on, on, on any decks I could bring or how to tackle it, it all is. It's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, but it's been, um, it's been a tricky, trying, painful experience. <laughs> uh, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I haven't played this a lot because it is very hard and it's fiddly with all this out-of-play decks where you're pulling cards all the time. But I really like the idea and the construction of the quest. I think that a control deck is best for it. Some, I think you can turtle in this one. If you can control your quest numbers, have some answers to the desolate land, which is that X-threat location, you can just build up your board state a little bit at a time, and there's no hard timer on this one if you have enough stats on the board soon enough. Uh, like, they always have... There's so many decision points in this quest... There's a lot of cards that say either shuffle or reveal or drop a card from out of play into the discard or do this other terrible thing. (laughs) So there's always interesting decisions, which makes it possible to use different kinds of decks. So I like all that. Uh, My best success has been with Noldor, but that's my pet deck that I think works against everything anyway. Um, but yeah, use a Noldor deck. They have a lot of hit points, so they can take damage. Um, they have big turns with Lords of the Eldar. I was running a little location control backtrack, which everybody jokes about. Uh, Ryan jokes about being my favorite card to get rid of that desolate lands. But then, yeah, if you haven't got to the last stage, that's where your biggest surprise is. I don't know if you want us to spoil that or not, but... I'm more than happy for you guys to, to, to speak about spoilers. No worries at all there. So when you get to the last stage, you've through the whole quest, you've been adding cards, shuffling cards in from other out-of-play uh, decks. And then at the last stage, you add all those enemies to the staging area, and you have to fight all of them. <laughs> Which can be really easy if you have gone one way, or it can be a massive mess if you go the other way. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In some respects, that punishes you for turtling, because the longer you turtle, the more chance there is of adding those cards. So if you drag the game out, you'll probably get more and more enemies. Right, but if you spend long enough building up your space, then you you can handle it. So yeah, the pacing and the decisions you can make are always interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think some of the cards, just the generic cards, are almost too punishing. Like that Desert Warg, he has five attack, and he's like the chump of the quest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty hard. And they all do something, those guys. So the the um the orc does an attack or something, doesn't he? I'm just yeah, four attack. Uh, he makes an immediate attack against the first player, and then the warg gains surge, I think, if you don't put an enemy in. 
And then the pursuer gets plus three attack if you don't put an enemy in. And he starts off at three, so he's hit for right. six. It's a rad guy. The, the outrider, sorry, he's not a pursuer. And then the other clever thing is, depending on... This is so many different branching routes in this quest. You can either have a majority of the orcs or the majority of the Haradrim or all the creatures. I, I was finding, though, that... Um... Yeah, depending on the route you take, obviously one whole deck gets shuffled in. But when it was asking us to take one from the highest amount of cards left in the deck, that quite quite often was asking us to do that. So mm-hmm. you would have to take one random... I think it was just a random card, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me, we got Southron Champion as well on, like, turn turn two or something, because that's, that's an option as well. But the... Um, <laughs> When you're picking from the random, uh, when you're when you're taking from the highest deck, it always seemed to alternate. I don't know if we were playing that wrong or something, but it always because they both start with eleven. I think one of them starts. I think the Harad one starts with one more. I think. Uh, maybe maybe I need to I recall. Think, I think one of them's got twelve, and one's got eleven. So as soon as you take one out of the Harad, then those two are tied. And, you and can, then you get to you pick. Choose? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then once you've picked one, then it then you have to have the other one. So it was sort of even in itself out a little bit in that sense. You get a, a good mix. Mm. The locations in this are no pushover either. They're yeah. so punishing. They all do and stuff. Instead of having force uh, travel effects, they have forced effects, so you can't even mm. get around those. That, that is one of the things that I found really difficult as well, was like, oh, well, the locations are hosing us. Let's put loads of location control in. And it's like, oh, actually, wait a second. These aren't even like travel effects that you can bypass. This is just when right. it becomes the active location. All these <laughs> terrible things happen. So you can't even like get around it that way. It's like, oh man. It's just like all directions getting absolutely destroyed. <laughs> Fitting that it's the last quest as well, you know, the big boss. So Thrower's Key is really good for that X threat one. You can just attach that, then it's zero threat. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, backtrack, you can just clear one of those before you resolve the quest so it doesn't put that 10, 12, 15 thread in. Um, some of the other ones, if you don't want to just travel to them, you can use, uh, what's the map? Almanac, the Explorer's Almanac. Put it mm-hmm. there and clear it out. Mirkwood yeah. Explorer is good here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's how I have beaten that location before. Quest with him. Then keep one on four progress, and as soon as you see it, <laughs> uses ability. Yes, keep one yeah. on four, and then quest with the other one. I would say you pretty much have to have an answer for that location. Yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly have to account for it every turn. Like, right. What mm-hmm. if that comes out? And there's two of them, and if you know they're in discard pile, then just run, 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 because you're not. Now, what's get that? Them. What's that lore event that removes all the threat? Secret of one pass. Location? Secret pass is a good yeah, one. That's a good yeah. tech. I think I've played this a bit more than you guys have. I've played this quite a lot, this quest. Mm. And I think I agree, this is probably one of the top quests for uh, like replay value variation. Right. Because mm. you get, I don't know how many different paths there are. I will say that if you get the deadly creatures path, I think it's significantly easier because those enemies are much easier to deal with than what's in the other two encounter decks. Encounter it is easier rather. during the quest, but then at the end, it's harder. Because so if you if you've added you take a load all of all the other runs. enemies, right? Yeah, if you, did, depending if you on get the evil creatures, then you have to add all the south runs and all the orcs. Where if you mm-hmm. shuffle in one of those groups, you don't have to take all those enemies. I found when I've played this with you, you've been very reluctant to shuffle stuff in, whereas I've been a bit more gung ho. 
about yeah, it. I noticed that, and I don't think yeah. we beat it together yet. No, I think we beat it the other day. We played it the other day. Did we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought we got crushed. Oh, I've played <laughs> this most recently. Maybe it was with that Dana. I think it was you saying. Yeah, yeah maybe. I did win, though. I, th- you, I think, yeah, it's one of those that, that's a little bit swingy, I think, for me. I've, I've been crushed by it, and I have crushed it. Have you guys played it uh, predominantly solo, or have you done like group group play with it? It sounds like you've done it a few times. Uh, as a duo have you done it any higher than that or have you mostly been playing it solo do you find it's quite consistent across the bands of amounts of players um i think i played it once three player twice two player and probably 10 or 12 times solo um the first time i played it i played a two player and we got to the last stage and we misread it it says add all the enemies from the out of play decks the stage all the are in your quest deck Encounter deck. But we just read it as one. So we each pulled out one enemy and killed it. Like, okay, we won. That was the <laughs> finale. But as <laughs> we went back and, oh, wait, that would have wait, been I think I, might, I think I might have misheard you. Do you take every single enemy for, that's left from the outplay decks and put them into the staging area? You put all or the enemies. You put them into the deck. You put all the enemies that you shuffled in over the course of the quest? Yeah. From the outplay decks. So you don't mess with it cards that are already out of play, but say you did a, put a bunch of rod and orcs into the deck over the course of the game, and you've gone to that stage three that makes you shuffle the desert creatures in, and then when you get to stage four, you're going to put all the orcs and rod enemies that you have shuffled in over the course of the game to the stage. And, and you put them into the staging area. I misheard yeah. you. I thought you meant put, put them into the... That's crazy. That could potentially yeah. be like a lot that could be yeah that could be a lot a lot <laughs> and that's that's assuming that you've got a clean staging area to start with right so yeah it's an epic battle there at the end i have played it and controlled it enough where i had zero enemies at the end i was very proud of myself but it's, yeah it's hard well that wraps it up doesn't it that, that's the that's the last that's pack the last quest. i like the structure of the whole cycle where in the Deluxe box, we have a Harad quest, Escape from Umbra. We have a Desert Creature quest across uh, Desert. And then we have a Orc one, the um, Long Arm of Mordor. Then it, we go through each of those settings once or twice during the cycle. Then this last quest, we have all three of those brought together again with a bunch of variability. It's kind of cool how they come for full circle there. Yeah, I think, yeah, generally speaking, it's. Uh brilliant cycle really enjoyed it i haven't beaten it yet but (laughs) really enjoyed what i've played played so far it's definitely been you know difficult and uh there's been some really interesting new ways of playing it through the different quests throughout that cycle which i think has been um which they always nail they always you know it's never straight like it always impresses me how how different they can make each quest feel when you know, on the surface of things, when you first start playing Lord of the Rings, it doesn't feel like there's much more than sort of like, you know, putting out some, some of your guys, doing some questing, doing some fighting, and, and that's pretty much it, really. Um, but they always manage to find design space and, and make things feel fresh and interesting. And I think this cycle has been a really good um, representation of that as well. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite quest before we move on? 
I think I agree with you, Ryan. I think my favourite quest is probably Kill of Gurat. I really like that quest. And and then a close second, the first one. Um, what's the mm. first quest called? Like the very, very, very first one in in the in the deluxe box. I like that one. But I think I think as well because I have good memories of playing that one with with you and Steve, and and uh, it was really really fun time. And uh, yeah, got some got some good memories of that one, and uh, it being quite a balanced fun quest to kick the cycle off with. I'd agree; those two are my favorites. Although I have had some really fun times doing Race Across Harad too. It's hard, but it's really cool. And Ryan, so we know which was your favorite. Which is your worst? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I- <laughs> I think I'd agree with you guys that my second is probably Umbar as well, just because I play it so much. Worst. Ah, worst. I don't, I don't think there's a bad quest this cycle. I, I don't know if I want to pick a worst, because that implies that it's bad in some way. Least well, good. not least good. Yeah, least yeah. Good. Not as good as the others. Man, I'm flicking through them. I'm struggling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say race across a rad. Well, just because it's controversial. So... so Tough solo, and that's why mm, it's, fair it's, enough. it's fast paced, whereas I like the slower paced, controlly kind of ones. That's kind of why I chose Desert Crossing, too. It's really tough mm. solo, just because get mauled by damage. Mm. Before we move on, I wanted to ask an unexpected question, <laughs> which is if you're going to bring some heroes to this cycle, what would you recommend people bring? Like three heroes you think are good for this cycle. Uh-huh. I can say one right out of the gate that I think is like the best hero for this cycle. Yeah. I think it's probably the like top five hero, one of the top five in the game. I just think tactics AON is uh, so good in this mm. cycle. <laughs> there's so much that demands early game willpower. Yep, she can do that. And then there's a bunch of quests where you've got to start off with an enemy. Yep, mm. dead. Right. Or that there's a big enemy later on. Like, and yep. she could just swoop. Yep. Um, I mean, like I said, it goes for a lot of the quests in the game, unfortunately, but uh, she seems especially good here. I think hand-in-hand with her, and he works really well, I I really like, and a card that I will uh, be bringing up a little bit later when we talk about some of our favourite player cards, Hagon, I think he's he's a pretty solid pick, um, and he goes hand-in-hand with her. Obviously, that's a, a pretty nice deck right there, or the start of one. And um, yeah, I think I think he uh, he brings a lot uh, to this cycle as well. He has a lot of tools that will help you um, beat the cycle because there's a lot of enemies that are pretty nasty, and um, he allows you to judge whether whether you need to play like whether you put your resources into having that fight or whether you can get away with not doing it, and then sort of like power up your quest in a bit more that type of thing. He gives you a bit of control over that or a little bit more of decisions at, at the time where it's uh, it's important to make that decision rather than having to guess early in the in the prep. Like One it. thing I've run into playing that Hirgon deck, assuming you're playing like Theod and Eowyn Hirgon, is you have mm. to be careful of those. That deck relies a lot on allies for uh, combat, and the orcs mm. in particular uh, punish you for using combaty allies. Uh, they trigger off uh, having more threat than willpower, so you got to be careful. Yeah, that. I agree. That's true. They've got the um, they've got the orcs where it's like you can't defend if your willpower doesn't match that type of thing. That could they can be quite hard. Yeah, they can be quite tricky. Um, another one. Uh, you asked for a couple. Um, I think Gandalf works pretty well. Um, because he's just amazing. He's just you get, you get, you get him tooled up. He's he's just really, really, really good. Get him all of his toys. 
It's just like, you know, he's going to be doing whatever you want him to do. Whether it's readying allies that are super powerful, whether it's questing for a bunch early game or defending some massive hits for the first few turns so that, you know, you can just tank them with Gandalf and then it gets a bit beaten up. But by the, by the, by the time you don't need to tank with Gandalf anymore, he's, you know, readying those massive allies that will be tanking those hits for you, that type of thing. Um, so I, I really like Gandalf, but I mean, maybe it's a bit of a bad one to say because name you know there isn't really very many things gandalf isn't good at doing apart from <laughs> secrecy i guess <laughs> so it's solo secrecy maybe <laughs> wasn't he in that two hero deck wasn't it gandalf and somebody else or was it just gandalf mm, was that like a, a solo gandalf deck for long arm of mordor oh yeah there was one i played that that was pretty fun that worked there you go you're right liam <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't have a couple of heroes that I say are particularly good, but I did play through the entire cycle with one deck. I made a Harad deck that had Kandalf in it. So, ah, so how about Khalil? Uh, I really like the Harad deck. And as long as you're playing Harad, Khalil is a good hero. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, what do you think overall the quest, or the, not quest, overall cycle? How would you rate it among the different cycles? Um, I would put it up there as, for an experienced player. I would put it towards the top. I'd say mm-hmm. if you're a slightly newer player, I probably shift it lower down because I think it's quite difficult. Uh, certainly solo. And if you have a small card pool, I could see this being quite difficult compared to Ravanian cycle. I think the card if, pool you get here, player cards much stronger. And if you're a new player as well, there is quite a few quests here that are um, mechanically quite difficult to keep up with in terms of yes. remembering all the triggers and stuff like that there's some really um complex quests actually which is a good thing if you've been playing orderings for a long time but it does have its negative side of it as well because it's very easy to miss triggers there's been a number of successful quests that have got little asterisks next to it in our little group mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like um, actually i think we may have been <laughs> forgetting to do this the entire time i personally feel like the cycle's do just get better and better. Like, I don't know whether that's just sort of like, just, you know, how you remember them and things like that. And obviously got a lot of good memories and nostalgia of some of the earlier cycles. But for me, like mechanically, the cycles get better and better. And, and this is definitely up there with, with uh, some of my favorite cycles. I was going to say exact same thing. This is a fairly complex cycle. Each quest, I don't find myself playing these a ton besides a couple uh, select few of them just because they are pretty complicated. I like the race across a rod. You got tons of stuff going on. You got multiple quest decks. You got cars going everywhere. Uh, beneath the sands, you have the on off track. Long arm of Mordor is very different. Uh, across in Sapporos, you got so many cards doing different things. So they are a, a good bit of effort to play. You can't just plop down and start playing like you would Passage or passage Through Markwood, but they're really good, strong, consistent experiences. So, yeah, I think they're great, but they are high on the complexity scale.
All right, then let's move on to the player card review. We're going to just briefly go over. We aren't going to read every one and review every single card, but we'll try to pick out a few that are interesting to us for any any reason, and then maybe look at some of the new decks that this quest that this whole cycle made possible. And we're going to start with uh, Liam because he might have to duck out soon here since we have gone a little bit long again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, it's, you know, it shows that there's a lot to talk about. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to pick three three heroes just to kick it off um, because um, I love hero cards. Like they are by far my favorite type of cards. Always exciting to have a look at a hero, and I think there are three heroes for me that made three new decks. One of which I've yet to play, a type of which I've yet to play. So I will be looking um, looking to play that soon. Um, but we'll start off with one I have played a lot of, and that's Hitgon. I, I just love this card. I think it made um, like mono tactics just really viable. Um, there's some some excellent uh, decks with Hitgon in, and it's quite easy to make good Hitgon decks. Even like with all the new eagles and stuff, you guys were mentioning that that involves Hagon. He just gets involved with a lot of stuff, and um, yeah, he, he's a, a quality hero. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed playing Hagon decks. Um, I know that Joseph, you mentioned that you've played Hagon quite a lot as well. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what are your sort of th- views and thoughts on him? Obviously, good, right? <laughs> he's amazing. Just having a guy who quests two in tactics is good, and then the Cost reduction is really great. And then my favorite thing about him is you can respond to what the quest throws at you, right? You get mm. to play an ally out of your normal sequence. You get to play it after you see what's come off the encounter deck, um, which is very powerful. So all those things are amazing. Yeah. And his, and although his stats aren't like a crazy stats, like two quest is really good in tactics. Two attack is not that good in tactics. Um, and he's not really going to be defending very much. But... His text box is amazing, and he's got three quests, so you're going to be questing with him. But um, but that's often three. Often you're playing with him, right? So right. yeah, so he's, he's often a three quester, which straight off the bat is pretty good for anyone. Um, interestingly, the card that he comes with, I'd like to just touch on just for a moment, which is the red arrow. It, he, he is basically a card that is almost like screams here gone right um <laughs> interestingly i have not found too much success with the red arrow when it goes off it's often brilliant but um when it goes off it's because you've already won the game a few turns before anyway practically you're already in a situation where you're winning um it's never really saved me it's never it's quite often i'm just playing it purely for the one quest it's almost like one tactics resource for one quest value um have you Which found much fine. success with the red arrow <laughs> Yeah, which means it's great. But um, but the sort of valor response is something that I've never really got to work for me in a particularly spectacular fashion. I've had some pleasant and enjoyable surprises with it. But yeah, I agree. Mostly you just quest with it. And then if you trigger its effect, that's even better. Mm. Have you been playing here? And it's inconsistent because you only can put one per deck, right? Well, that's it. I mean, you can hardly ever find it, and when you do, it's sort of a bit like no. And and like if you see it, like at first when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I really want that in my opening hand because there's only one per deck. It's good to have it. You can just pull it on there for the one quest of the extra one willpower, and then trigger the valor response whenever you need to. But I just was finding that the valor response wasn't very often, and it wasn't really a card that I was particularly hunting for in my opening hand after playing with Pergon for a while. 
it's sort of a bit a bit like you know if it comes up comes up but if not whatever <laughs> um you've been playing here gone with eagles right ryan yeah yeah I, I don't have much to add really i think he's a great hero and i enjoy playing him he's good for solo good for multiplayer he can bring mm-hmm. in loads of sentinel allies along with you loads of uh durndingle warriors range guys <laughs> you can build it that way if you want you can build it more as a solo deck yeah i like him just one and, quick comment there they uh one of the best things about that particular deck, it starts out crazy high willpower in a multiplayer setting. You can bring that deck and let other people play a different kind of deck that takes a little setup. You can mm. quest for 11 or 12 first turn, and that frees up other decks to do kind of a longer game. The other hero that I've um, that I've only played very, very small amounts of, but when I have played it, it's been particularly good. But one of... Um, one of the main reasons why I didn't get, I haven't played him very much, is because at the start of the, of the um, questing, uh, at the start of the cycle, I was playing a lot with Ryan with the physical cards, and uh, and you were playing this guy a lot, Thorinder, um, and uh, he just seemed to get better and better throughout the cycle. And at, at first, I was a bit like, well, not super sold on him, and then uh, watched Ryan play him a number of times, and and side quests in general were not particularly stellar before this cycle. There was quite a number of them, but this guy made them amazing and mm. made me realize how amazing side quests were, how it was worth doing it. You know, suddenly being able to have like, uh, you know, plus one willpower to everyone or, you know, minus one attack for all of your enemies, like all that type of stuff. Like it, it is worth taking away a turn to to complete it i mean it's absolutely gutting when you miss it by one but um (laughs) (laughs) you know that happens but um yeah watching watching which seems to happen more often than not but watching you play uh play thorander and i think he is a guy that has powered up throughout this cycle and has allowed the side quest deck to work correctly um you've played him a lot what are your thoughts on him ryan well joseph's like his uh chief disciple these days i feel like he's in every day <laughs> Even my Rohan jo- decks, right? Yeah. <laughs> Joe's Joe's taken the mantle, the Thorindir mantle. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I blazed the trail and nah, not really. I, I think I agree with you. <laughs> I think um he's he's just a solid hero in terms of stats. He's only eight threat. Two two mm. zero four. He's doing his job. And you're right, he did get better as the cycle went along. And he's also great for the current cycle because it's mm-hmm. so side quest friendly. Mm. Um, I might even put him in my top five heroes in the game if you were gonna. Wow! Like really, yeah. I think he's um, he's probably not for every quest. Like, uh, funnily enough, he's terrible for the quest he came out in, which was Race Across Harad. You do not want a side quest <laughs> in that quest. <laughs> Certainly not at the beginning. Anyway, you can probably afford one side quest if you're lucky, and it's probably gonna have to be an encounter side quest. Right. Apart yeah. from that, he's great. I like him a lot. Yeah, I love him. He makes so many new decks possible. He's just awesome. And he seemed to bring alive old cards, side quests mm-hmm. that weren't particularly used. You know, I think he was like the key almost to like get them. I mean, people were obviously playing with them, but they never really sort of worked out in our group plays at all. Very often, we would often have them out and decide not to go on them. But he um, he changed our mind a lot on those ones. Mm-hmm. Just a starting ability where you can start with one in your hand makes side quests a lot better too, doesn't it? Especially yeah. if that's gather information in four players as well. Right, yeah. that's so good. That can help big time. The other one um, that I saw once in our play group was uh, Send for Aid. My goodness, you can get a big swing out of that one. If you, I think we hit Gandalf, Legolas, and some other four coster. I, I don't know which one, and that was big, it was huge. Yeah, 
I don't yeah. use that one very much. I should do that. Oh, and four player that can, yeah, that's like, you know, 16 resources worth of stuff. You just got out. Right. That's amazing. 20 resources, <laughs> maybe depending on, you know, everybody gets out a five coster. You know, I think I know who the other one was. It was Treebird, Allied Treebird. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy when you think about it. Those, a free those three. <laughs> a free beard, a free Legolas. <laughs> crazy. Gandalf, quality card. I'd like to play more with him. I haven't played loads with him, played a little bit. So the last hero that I'd like to talk about, uh, and it's a hero that I haven't played with, uh, because when I look at him, I can't see why I would want to, but I'm hoping that you guys might have some other opinion. Apart from the rule of cool, it's a very cool artwork and it's a really cool, and it's a guy that I like, Quick Beam. So he... I was wondering, is it, is it going to be him or is it going to be Falco? Well, the, it was a real toss-up between him and Falco. I wanted to talk about one of those two. But um, Falco, like, I feel like, um, is if you guys want to chat about him, you can. But we'll talk about him for this one. But, um, so I just don't see, like, why he would... Why I would want to play him in an end deck for a start. I, I could see him maybe in his own deck, like a, a specific quick beam deck where you're powering him up, but you might not take advantage of it so much. You also lose out on ally quick beam, who's amazing. So um, that's sad. And um, and yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I've not played with him and I couldn't really sort of, when I first read him and, and sort of had a flick through the cards, I was a bit like, I don't know, don't know what I'm trying to do here. Well, I've enjoyed uh, playing him in those aggro decks that we've built. Like, do you remember yeah, that, that game where we played three player Umbar on YouTube? That it was, was us three, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he did some work there because the four attack can kill the sentry turn one. Mm. So he was fun there. I think he needs some support. I probably agree with you that he's not easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't used him that much. He's such a high threat. Deck. And his ability wears out really fast because you can do it twice before you to get healed yeah i feel like if he'd have been one damage he'd be way more viable but he might be a bit overpowered then mm-hmm. it's almost like i want him to be 1.5 damage right <laughs> two, <laughs> uh, too steep 1.5 maybe cut well, like the quest see if it works <laughs> like the quest difficulty is like seven, out of seven and a half <laughs> yeah. start, start doing like little half measurements and everything <laughs> what's his house five yeah I think yeah, it so is, yeah. you get an extra ready, right? Because you go 1.53, 4.5. Not quite dead. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I remember playing him, I played 7th level, and I ended up with 14 goblins engaged at once, and that's how it went. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was he helpful? Not helpful enough, apparently. Actually, he could kill any of those goblins with one whack, which is good, but... He just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I just got behind. Yeah. Just slow. <laughs> pretty but that's kind of what he was sort of... So when I first read him, I was like, oh, he's kind of like... He reminded me a little bit of uh, Hero Bjorn, one of the uh, 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 sort of older cards, where I thought he would be really good early game in the sense that, like, Hero Bjorn's great to have on the table because he'll just sort you out for the first couple of turns, killing and defending and just being an absolute beast. And then as the game goes on, obviously he's all beaten up and you can't really heal him or anything like that in, very easily. And, um, and he sort of sits back a little bit and he's more of just an attacker but um he isn't very early game centric because you're right you get to do his ability twice but then he's already on the thread of being killed and and um and that's assuming like you know he's only got one defense so even if you're doing his ability you might not be defending with it and then Mm -hmm. also 
want you know in order to power him up like it takes a bit of time it's actually quite a slow card in some respects i can imagine he gets more powerful as the game goes on and you've got more tools that can aid him but uh. but when you don't even need that for attack when you get a booming end out right exactly yeah but then that's, that makes me think that he doesn't really necessarily want to go in an Ent deck, more more of a quick beam deck, a specific quick beam deck, rather than having a bunch of Ents. Because Ents are slow anyway, so you don't, do you really want a slow hero with slow allies? It's a bit like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. And then you don't the get quick beam either. place that we realize he would be kind of cool, which is super thematic, is that um, Isengard Saga Quest, that first Ent thing, uh, you can earn the Ents by using your willpower to have more willpower than the cards off the counter deck. This is one of the few cards that you could use his willpower twice a turn. Because he, with no other card out of your deck, you can ready him, use ability twice, and maybe earn those ends faster. Hmm. Sadly, haven't seen anybody do it, but... <laughs> yeah, sadly, we only realized that after he'd made the decks for that quest. Right. And I was looking at him and thought, wow, he would have actually been really good there because we were using Tactics Theoden. So he would have been three willpower. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a bit sad because that doesn't normally happen. <laughs> I thought of it before that. I just forgot to t- mention it to you. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. We still beat it. Yeah, we started off on a positive there. I, I, I wanted to pick some heroes that, that I've played a lot and that um, I've really, really enjoyed um, this either playing or watching being played um, this this uh, cycle and uh, and obviously one that I was a bit unsure on. But Falco, I tell you what, I was really close to, to shouting out Falco because uh, that guy has w- got one of the weirdest text box ever and <laughs> basically made himself just made a new deck type, which is so cool. And uh, he's got funky art. Like, you know, I've got Falco, when I said earlier that I'll be making some new decks, um, Falco, he's up there. It'll be made. I'll be uh, trying Falco out. If you've got my show notes here, there's a couple of Falco decks that, might be worth a look. Yeah, I will definitely have a look at those. All right, I'm going to cheat a little bit. And for my first card, I'm going to pick two cards. That's going to be Gimli and Legolas together. <laughs> so this is the oh, unlikely friendship team. Uh, I really like this is going to be my... Not sure how to actually make it work very good. I really like the idea. And if you get them built up, it's really fun. But it's... Uh, I have a hard time making a deck that really uh, makes them work, especially in that first few turns, which can be crucial in most quests. I like the interaction. The theme is great, but have you guys played much of them together? No. <laughs> That's funny. No. <laughs> no. No. Are you talking solo here or are you talking multiplayer? Either way. Well, solo I played a little bit, and I think I agree they're a bit slow. It'd be nice if Legolas and Gimli were a little bit OP. Really? Right. So you could be. see more play, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, maybe at least as strong as Dale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not that OP. Come on. <laughs> uh, I think doing the saga has brought me around to these two a bit more. They've done some serious work in that saga so far. I'm not sure I'd run them in a normal saga campaign if I wasn't changing heroes so much, but it's been really good to have those guys around because um, I've seen new combos with their abilities through playing them with lots of different heroes. Now, that's two-handed. 
I think they work much better in that scenario when other heroes can pick up a bit of the slack. In solo, I think you need to put in a lot of power cards to get them working, like Steward and Elven Light and all this stuff. Yeah, they just start to drain your cards and resources pretty quickly. They really do. Yeah, they really so do. So you might have a good couple first turns and then it gets hard. I'm also not super sold on the art for either card either. The Legolas mm-hmm. art less so, but not, not huge. Not sold really? on like... The Legolas art I quite... Is all right, but the Gimli art, no, not not fun. Yeah, not my favorite either. Oh, you guys are hard to please. <laughs> uh, what can I say? What can I say? <laughs> I agree with your point. It they should be they should be like really strong. It's Legolas and Gimli. I'm like, come on, like, these guys should be bossing it. Maybe they were a bit worried about doing that, but what yeah, the, what it what what it's left with is something that's not um, particularly strong, which is sad. I think if we moved one defense to willpower on Legolas and just added one defense to Gimli, that would be amazing. So you mean the change is, their stats from core sets, say? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they can't, cause they have, they ever done that? Have they have other cards with different stats that really. are the same person? No. I don't think they do it. Do they? They can try, try and keep this. Yeah. I'm not saying they should have, but I think if they were that way, they would be quicker. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, Legolas has, quest, has to quest, but he sucks at questing and Gimli has to defend, but he's not very good at defending. <laughs> Yeah, they could just have it in the text box or something, or give them, give them some attachments, Legacy, or like Elad and Elder here effect where they buff each other's stats, but then they're buffing yeah. each other's stats twice, which is too much. I don't know. Um, although one card that 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 um, plays well with them that I really really love in in uh, in decks, I play it in the Sylvan deck that I've got is Unlikely Friendship. I think that card's pretty good, yeah, <laughs> and they really obviously helps. take fully advantage of that, don't they? Um, so many cards I like. I don't know what to choose. I'm going to choose Jaber for one of the best uh, new cards that I really love. He's just an amazing defender. One of the best. Shadow protection built in. Good stats. He has tons of stats. What does he have? Three, three. He has one willpower, two attack, three defense, three hit points. And he has the warrior trait, so you can attach some of these nice new attachments, like the Hobbrook of Mail to him. He has built-in ready, and if you have him with Khalil... I built him up to like a nine defense, three defense monster, or three <laughs> different instances of defending. I like him. Getting rid of shadow cards is something that's uh, just awesome as well, isn't it? And it's not something right. you can particularly do very easily with the rest of the card pool. There are ways, but um, just having it there as a response is just like amazing. Yeah. I don't have much more to add, really. Everybody knows he's good, so not much to say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Pick one that's terrible. Yeah, do do one that you can't use. But actually, bef- before you do, guys, I- I'm really sorry, but I-, I actually have to go. So thank you so much for the uh, for the the show and uh, the session. And um, yeah, uh, quality, quality cycle. And uh, very much looking forward to chatting to you guys some more about the next cycle. Yep, thanks for coming on. Sorry to <laughs> use up your whole morning there. Hey, no worries. It's been a pleasure. An absolute pleasure. I'll catch you soon, Ryan. I'll catch you soon, Joe. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, now you have the challenge of picking one that's terrible, and I tell you why it's not terrible. I'm not sure it's possible. I think you you like too many of the cards. You like them all, don't you? Uh, well. Any one that you think is terrible, I'll probably agree. Okay, I got one. Go on, then. Is it Backtrack? All right. No, Backtrack <laughs> is my favorite. <laughs> I would say probably the, well, there's the trait granting cards, which I don't particularly have a use for yet. Mm. 
might yeah, be more your an easy target, I suppose. Because scout, but I, I was thinking before the show, could we could we put a call out if anybody's found a good use for one of these cards, other than some weird combo involving Wingfoot and Eleanor? All right. Is are there any? Has anybody done anything with them? I haven't seen them really in decks. The only thing I've thought of recently is putting the noble one on um, Baragon so he can take the new huge oh, armor, but he doesn't yeah. really need the huge armor because he's already great. So, well, if and you want to be, armor. if you want to do a world first, I mean, right. it's, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> but the deck, the card I think is most useless right now is burst into the song. Hmm. So that is you ready each hero with a song attachment. Right. Is that right? Yeah, but I think it's kind of expensive too, isn't it? Yeah, it costs two in leadership. Right, which they um, say leadership is rich, but I mean, for such a niche effect, it seems expensive. Yeah, I can see us using that in our Mount Doom decks now that we're, t- <laughs> we're going to pan it and then it's going to save us at the very end of the campaign. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it it could be good in theory, but... um. I've not been playing many decks lately that attach songs to people other than the um, Song of Hope. Right. And I haven't they, seen it used. Given us some more good song cards, including this Fireside song, which also came out this cycle. And we just got a new song that, uh, I forget what it's called, but the Tactics Song Event. Mm, that's an event, though. Attachment, so. I don't know. It Drinking might. Song? That's not an attachment either. All right. So you yeah. have the four basic songs and you have a couple of other attachments, but well, it's one that's got some potential to be mm-hmm. used. Maybe I'll try uh, to build something for it. <laughs> have you ever tried to build something for it? I haven't. I have. I built a Rohan fellowship that included mounts and songs. And those work really well together because if you put mounts out and then you give them more trait, more uh, spheres, then it boosts more stats. But it felt like a lot of effort for not a whole lot. And mm. then some of the mounts ready you anyway. So I I don't know if I ever played the event, actually. <laughs> but there's potential there. It's just really uh, not very many decks that can ever go in. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Did you get one more? Uh, I think oh, I no, you've, you've, you've had four, technically. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do one more pr- shout-out to Proud Hunters. I love that card. <laughs> Okay, I, this is one actually. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to disagree with you on this card because I know you okay. like it, and I see you put it in a lot of decks, <laughs> and I always see the resources as being unnecessary. Because for me, this card often just sits in hand, and I don't get any value from it. Doesn't help you if you're losing this card, in my opinion. Doesn't doesn't move you forward. It just kind of helps you win a bit more. So I'm not well, a fan of that card, actually. I've been using it in... I tri- play a lot of Trisphere. Mm. So I can dump resources on... But that's, I guess, not a good thing. The other thing I've been using it a lot in is a side quest deck that includes um, The Storm Comes. Mm-hmm. So then whoever my attacker is, I can give them the resources, and then I can use those resources for anything. And I'm using it with <laughs> uh, Thuringia a lot, so I already have that ranger trait that you need. So I feel like it gives me a big boost. I can get another couple allies out when I do trigger it. but And I don't play leadership very much, so I don't have a lot of other ways to get resources. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe you're right. It's maybe a it's tactics. a winning more. But. It's a tactics event for anybody who doesn't remember it. 
right? When you kill the enemy, you get uh, resources equal to the threat value of that enemy. I just find that it's not needed most of the time when I build decks that could include it, so I often cut it. And like I said, I'll, I'll find that it's a card that sits in my hand. I think, I don't, I'm not sure I need these resources, actually. But I always I can want see, resources. <laughs> well, I can see the scenario you described there with um, The Storm Comes, which is lately, I've been loving that card when you've played it, because it makes my deck easier to play, because I don't need to manage resources anymore. Right. Uh, I like that a lot. So I, I can see that, yeah, I can see that. But it's just not one that I think, I think it's one that people get drawn to. They think they need it. But I'm not convinced you do. I think you could probably make that deck without that card. Maybe. I feel like it gives me a, a big boost. That feels good. Maybe All right, you pick one. Let me pick on it. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, no. Pressure. All right, well, my three. What are my three? I'm, I'm going to start with one that looked like it was going to be problematic. And it turned out not to be. card I'm going to pick is Magic Ring. Mm-hmm. So this was a card that when it came out, it looked like, whoa, what is this? This is going in every single deck. And people were posting in the Facebook group, is there any reason why you wouldn't put this in every single deck ever? <laughs> but it turns out that when you play it, actually, um, it doesn't feel like you need to put it in every single deck ever at all, really. And that one threat, it, it can add up, actually. It does. It. Yeah. So one character i really like with magic ring is lore aragorn just because he completely negates the downside of it and he is a bit of a jack of all trades so he can use all different uh, all mm-hmm. the things on it the healing the readying and uh the resource um but i often overlook this card now I, I'll, I'll build a deck and then think oh magic ring would have been quite good in that deck but it turns out i didn't need it so i'm not going to use it mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah one of the guys in my group was uh, really excited about it, and he actually makes good use of it still. But he is pleasantly surprised with how balanced it is, rather than mm-hmm. feeling like he always needs to run it. So, yeah, I, agree I, think I hardly ever, ever play it. It's a good sign that it turned out to be balanced because it was a little mm-hmm. bit sort of oh, does... <laughs> this looks a bit uh, not OP, but uh, what's the word for that? No like, brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, like auto include, <laughs> auto include right. card. But you don't want right. too many. Of those yeah, cards in card pool. But it's not at all, because um, like you say, you don't need it a lot of the time. It's nice in Baragon decks. Mm-hmm. It's like your fourth ready. defense where you need it. Yeah, I like that. Um, the resources can be useful. I was using it a lot yesterday in that game of Kirith Grat replayed. Mm-hmm. I got it out early on Aragorn. Used it for the healing for a while. I think it let me pay for Burn and Brand a little bit uh, more mm-hmm. quickly, because I paid for it with spirit resources and then just gave Aragorn that resource so he could get the brand out quickly. And that helped us a lot. Yeah, so, it can smooth resources, but it, yeah, if you just want it for pure acceleration, it takes three turns to accelerate, and you, by then you've yep. lost momentum and you've taken threat. So, yep. yeah, I agree. Yeah, so overall, I'd say uh, I like that card. I'm glad it didn't turn out to be controversial. <laughs> and I still feel like there's space I haven't explored with it. Like, I still haven't built the Tower Aragorn artifact deck, because it is an artifact, <laughs> so I can give him a plus one health. How many hit points can you give Aragorn now? That's a good question. There's a bit of trivia for somebody there. Probably like seven off the top of my head, I'm going to guess. I don't know. At least. Maybe, maybe Galadriel could get a load as well. She's got the mirror and the ring and the, the magic ring and some other thing. I have used magic ring on Galadriel before. That was trippy because you oh. quest with her and then you 
raise your threat by one to ready her, <laughs> yeah, lower your threat by one to draw a card. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, where's this trippy? And then I realized, oh yeah, it's uh, it's kind of negating her upside. It's kind of like paying two for a um, clay wine <laughs> card draw only. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's sort of a, a card in the middle. I'm looking over the list. I think a card I really like that's worth discussion is the Vigilant Dunadan. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, he looked like the sort of card where, oh, is this going to break the game? We've got this guy who can <laughs> defend infinitely uh, as many enemies as you want, provided he's got Sentinel. But it turns out that I think he is balanced because he does often die. Mm-hmm. And there's only so many ways you can keep him alive. Uh, yep. You can give him a defense boost with Arwen, but his lack of good traits means he can't take a lot of the attachments that are out there. He can take the Squire's Helm now. That's really good for him, yeah. And what's got that? that gives him five health, I think. Starts right. with three. And I think the most you can get into is four defense, maybe three with Arwen. Uh, and I'm thinking Arwen plus Naria to right. ready him up. And you do that a lot. Yeah, I built and, the deck I was playing a lot good. that focused on him, but the more I play it, the more I realize that there's so many cards just to get him going that it's, yeah, it's balanced. It is awesome, though, when you do get him going. Right. I'll defend that. I'll defend that. I'll defend that. I even had a copy of uh, Ent Draft and a Quick Beam in there to throw extra two hit oh, points Oh, yeah, on. Ent Draft, yeah. Another way to keep him alive for longer. And if there's um, an honor guard around or some damage cancellation, that can help him a lot too. Mm-hmm. He's also really nice for that three attack because when he's finished defending, yeah. he can swing in for a decently sized hit. And if you've narried him, then he's four. Mm. Yeah. So that's a card I really like. Oh, and I think I'll, while I'm talking about him, keep watch with the combo with him. Right. Keep watch is so good. Uh, and it looks like a, another card that could potentially break the game. It does make a lot of quests quite easy when you've completed it. Mm-hmm. If you um, remember it, I keep forgetting it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've probably forgotten it when we played it in the saga. But that can help the Vigilant Doom down a lot. Makes the enemies so much easier to defend, really. I use the Vigilant Doom down in Pelinar Fields a couple of times. There's all those little chumpy green orcs that have two attack. Hmm. So kind of one attack. You. Right. And if you have the Vigilant Dunadan out taking on all those guys, it's amazing. And with Keep Watch as well, you can start to take stuff undefended. The difference between a one attack undefended and a two is massive. Right. It's almost like the quick beam thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that extra one makes all the difference. And I like the fact that there were different decks with him. Like I made that one for the Beneath the Sands video, but then other people made stuff where they were trying to put him out with the Elfstone or a very good tail or do crazy stuff to get him into play. Right. It's like the multi-layered combo of trying to build up his stats. So you're right, it's a bit elaborate. <laughs> and you do think, could I just play Baragond instead? Right. And you could, but it's uh, it's fun. Interestingly, I don't think he goes all that well in Dunedain decks. Well, he could really help, but I haven't seen... You built a Dunedain deck with him in it, didn't you? No, I don't. I don't think so. Not not apart from that vigilant Dunedain deck, which was a mashup with like Kirdan okay. and Amarthio and Thrindir. Right. Okay. It wasn't a sort of traditional slow defend as much as possible Dunedain deck. But then I haven't actually tried. I haven't explored that deck style a whole lot. But yeah, you see more leadership allies in that. Because mm-hmm. Guardian kind of Arnor can get so massive. 
I you know. don't need this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be my second card. And now I got the pressure of doing the third and final card. <laughs> so it better be a good one. Do you want one that I think is bad? Or do you want one that I think is a little bit overrated? I thought we were going to end on a good one because uh, this is the last one of our podcast. Well, Vision of Doom was a good one. Okay, how about a bonus one then? Okay. I'll do one and then you pick one you think's good. How about that? Oh, and they're putting the pressure on me. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Shifting, passing the buck. All right. I'm going to do one. I'm going to say the one I think that was bad. Uh, and that's Defender of Carandros. Mm-hmm. I have unfortunately never got that guy to work really well and he always gets cut from decks. And if, if I'm wrong, then I, I would love to hear about that. I'd, I'd love to hear if somebody's got him working well. Just find yeah. that four cost is too high for what he does. The only time I've really been glad I had him is I was trying to make a uh, Valor deck mm-hmm. against uh, Blood of Gondor. Mm-hmm. I tried that as well. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> too slow. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Well, with Hurgon, if you get him in for three, then he's... He can see. Yeah, but you got a, you got a siege four. quest successfully first with hair gone, and that's not right. easy. No, he's yeah, he's zero. <laughs> yeah, or zero. One, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, but he can take some armor. Then he's good. But he's just so expensive. And if yeah. he gets blank, then he sucks bad. Big time, big time. Zero defense. I think if he's blanked. Mm-hmm. So that he's one I'm probably a, a bit disappointed with. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but another one that I'll, I'll call out as one that I, I think is a little bit overrated, in my opinion, is also a tactics card, and it is followed. Mm-hmm. I think that by the time I've got that set up most of the time, I'm already winning. And it doesn't help me that much to lower the threat of the staging area. And I tend to forget that it's attached. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> it. so the last one's obviously my fault. But I think it's... Um, I've I've played it a reasonable amount in a trap deck, and I'm um, I'm not sure. I think I prefer the newer trap, which readies a defender. Mm. I just think that by the time you've got this set up, you're already winning, probably. And the same could be said possibly for that M and R and Ranger, who was also in this cycle. I think it's a good card, but um, if you get that before a trap, he doesn't quest for anything, and you can get bogged down. And followed probably falls in the same boat, I would say. I would say combined, they can make a trap deck a really strong questing deck. I I very much agree with that. Which is fun, and it feels different than trap decks I've felt before. But I haven't seen it everywhere, so you must be right. Mm, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of these cards I haven't seen everywhere. (laughs) That's true. Um, I just think that's one. Yeah, mixed feelings about that one. But, I mean, I'm just picking on cards. Yep. So why don't we end on a high note? All right. I'm going to say Legacy Blade. Is yeah, awesome. that is that is a good card. Good choice. It's free. It's kind of a later game card because you got to get side quests cleared. But I don't, there's no other non-unique card. There's only one other um, weapon or weapon I'm thinking of that can give you more than two attack, right? Uh, oh, for zero. Yeah. Oh, well, for zero, nothing. <laughs> what, which one are you talking about? Uh, uh Sword. Right, right. Herigrim. It can give you unlimited attack, but it's only one time, and it's unique, and it costs three. In yeah, 
This card is um, exceptional in the current cycle too because it's so side quest friendly. Mm-hmm. The current cycle doesn't have any encounter side quest, does it? I know. I've wondered why they just totally dropped that. Yeah. Hmm. They want Maybe you to do player side quests instead without dragging the game out for another hour. Well, sure. There's Except Fire of the Night, it has encounter quests. Oh, yeah, of course. Duh. <laughs> it's getting late here. <laughs> and, I think I, I don't know if I said this on another recording, but it's interesting how lore has got arguably the best weapons now, and, and tactics is... Glamdring. Like yeah, Glamdring and Legacy Blade mm-hmm. arguably could be seen as the best two weapons in the game. Well, Legacy Blade, you need to get some side quests done. The new Warrior Sword a hero looks good. Up to nine attack with two free attachments mm-hmm. by the end game is pretty good. Put those on yeah. tactics. Uh, Aragorn, and he can kill anything. Yeah, you can chop down some big trees with this. <laughs> and you've put them on, let me think, Thorindir I've seen you play on. I've seen you play on Theoden. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do we play Belagost? I think you put it on Kirdan. <laughs> <laughs> that was just As an well. extra copy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not he's not saying no to that because it takes him to five and he's not exhausting to quest with Light of Valnor. Nobody says no to plus three attack. No, no. Not many people do. I've never seen anybody say no to that. But again, it's nicely balanced. It's not OP. Mm. And as I look through the other cards here, there are certainly some that I think are extremely powerful and some I haven't seen played all that much. So there is some room for people to still innovate, which is good, I think, even a year on or however long it's been since this cycle ended. Mm-hmm. And there are some that I look at that I would like to see played, like Explore Secret Ways. don't think I've seen yeah. it played. Dower Handed, I've seen it played once. So there's all these cards. Oh, another one, Flight to the Sea. Never seen it. So still out there to try mm-hmm. you got to get away from some of these staples yeah stop playing backtrack will you <laughs> i'll just put proud hunters back in oh dear <laughs> so the uh, cycle overall what kind of new deck archetypes did it open up um good question well side quests came alive i think so that's sure deck. yeah we talked just about here gone already yep. i think that was a, a new and exciting deck that people um, played a lot when he came out. Uh, what have you listed there? Harad, yeah. That's a, a obvious one, really. Although, what does a Harad dead look like? It looks like all the big guys chucked in with all the allies. I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't make one more Harad card. I thought it would have been really cool if they'd gotten something like an event that would put them into play from the discard pile for a phase. Mm-hmm. Whether that be OP, I don't know. But they don't really have a Harad event. So that would be nice. But I was I thinking about that one day and I realized that I wonder if they meant uh, the other new kind of card in this cycle are the events that trigger off of two traits, mm. like Proud Hunters, Coney in a Trap, um, Unlikely Friendship, and what would be the uh, Well Warned. Mm-hmm. So since the big four or big three Harad allies all have those different traits, maybe they expect you to use those, but... Ah, yeah. I don't know if that's really feasible since it takes so much effort to get those big allies in play. But once you do, you could use any and all of those quests provided you had the sphere. Well, the other thing is that they um, revealed the last pack of the Arid Mithrin cycle the other day. Uh, let me think. The Fate of Wilderland? Right. And it's got a multi-traited event in it. So there's hope that one day there might be a multi-trait Harad event. Yeah, possibly. So is that, but yeah, there's um, no one Harad deck. There's a bunch of different styles. Mm. 
uh, Falco has opened up some weird decks. <laughs> weird in a good way. <laughs> it's just made secrecy more reliable for one thing. Yeah. I haven't seen people do that a lot lately, but there's been... Some... Oh, there was a flurry, a storm of... Falco. <laughs> a torrent of Falco when he came out. It was like, Falco was all over Rings TV, and now he's yeah, gone back to the Shire. Uh, free Peoples. I haven't seen a lot of decks focused on this, but I built a couple, and they've been pretty fun. But a Free Peoples deck is possible. It makes you think about card pool in a different way. I heard the designer likes Free Peoples. He does. I got to play with him at Gen Con last <laughs> year, and that's what he was all about. Free and Peoples? He was disappointed people weren't playing it more. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, there you go, it's folks. Oh, I really made trap decks better, too. They were already pretty good, but helped mm. a lot. Just those couple cards that you just said were bad. Well, they're not bad. <laughs> they're not bad. It's just, I think, possibly overrated. Yeah. Possibly. Or maybe over-anticipated. Hmm. Anything else? I mean, you've got a long list there. I'm looking at a document. You've got basically every single archetype got something oh, that's, out of that yeah. cycle. And, and there's no eagle cards, but they got here gone. So uh, that's true. There you go. There's your equal card. Uh, something for everybody in that one, and that might be why I don't think it's that great for players with a small card pool, because because that, uh, mm. um, for example, in my small card pool here, I've got Legacy Blade, but I don't own any side quests. Fail. Like none. <laughs> I haven't got any player side quests. So I mean, I should have the Sansa for Adbox really if I'm going to buy that pack. But anyway, if you if you randomly picked up Dungeons of Kirith Garat, you'd have this card. You think, oh, I can't play this right. so so you might pick up one random hobbit ally or something and it won't make a huge impact on your game whereas if you pick up say foundations of stone or whatever you know, it's right. much more bang for your buck yeah the cycle certainly didn't um develop one tribe or trait it made some new decks possible but they're kind of yeah and i i don't mean that as a criticism i, th- I think it was yeah it's it's what it should have been you know, for a mature game. And it's amazing they've managed to do what they have with the Dale stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we got a sneak peek into the uh, decks they're developing right now with a couple Dale allies, which were puzzling, and one Bayorning. Mm. That makes me look at the decks, the cards we're getting right now to try to anticipate what we're going to (laughs) get. Hobbits, lots of hobbits and creatures. I'd be thrilled if they went to the Shire, yeah. Well, we'll see. Anything else you want to say? I think we have... Done it. Yes. It's my bedtime. This hobbit needs his sleep. We'll just hit 4 a.m. here, so... Oh, my goodness. You need your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So, hopefully next time we can look at the Fire in the Night card review. We were thinking about doing that in this episode, too, but obviously we don't have time. Oh, yeah. This has run long. (laughs) So, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.